guess you ain't from around here, yeah I guess you ain't from around here, yeah Look at what we did in the past year, yeah A lot of green like a pasture A lot of busted like a pastor Yeah, enjoy it while I'm still here I've been on the up and disappeared like the rapture No mad raps in the cheap short I'm just shopping in my Sears I ain't no soothsayer Just a truth seeker, boo tweaker Might just make a meal while I'm getting meeker just make a meal while I'm getting meeker Do I sound clear? Can you hear the soothing timbre in your ear? Look at what we did in the past year Yeah, look at what we did in the Hello everybody, welcome back to Ebbs and Flow That's Esoteric Bible Study for the Love and Wisdom I'm Daniel Naki Dan And I am here today with the Morgan B And Nomad What up? Hey, hey, Asher, glad uh, to be here Is out drinking green beer with his buddies he said he's gonna pop in later so we might see him later but we are gonna get started and talking about genesis 5 chapter 5 um last week we talked about kind of cain and then um it kind of got into enoch a little bit and i think we're wondering about enoch um, and if that was the same biblical Enoch was the one from Cain and after further reading, it is not, there is a second Enoch and that's from the Seth line. And that's what we will get into in Genesis five, right? No man. Yeah, I believe that's correct. <laughs> so we speculated a lot and all we had to do was just go to the next chapter. All our answers or all our questions would have been answered. <clears throat> so uh do you want to read this or i can read it or morgan do you want to read it even oh no you guys go ahead i'm just glad to be here y'all all right uh whatever's easiest i have it pulled up and ready to go if you'd like me to yeah go ahead no math. i love your genesis voice. 5 verse 1 this is an account of the births of adam in the day of god's preparing man in the likeness of god he hath made him a male and a female he hath prepared them, and he blesseth them and calleth their name man. In the day of their be of in the day of their being prepared, and Adam liveth a hundred and thirty years, and begetteth a son in his likeness according to his image, and calleth his name Seth. And the days of Adam after his begetting Seth are eight hundred years, and he begetteth sons and daughters. And all the days of Adam which he lived are nine hundred and thirty years, and he dieth. And Seth liveth a hundred and five years, and begetteth Enos. And Seth liveth after his begetting Enos eight hundred and seven years, and begetteth sons and daughters. And all the days of Seth are nine hundred and twelve years, and he dieth. And Enos liveth ninety years, and begetteth Canaan. And Enos lived after his begetting Canaan eight hundred and fifteen years, and begetteth sons and daughters. And all the days of Enos are nine hundred and five years, and he dieth. And Canaan liveth seventy years, and begetteth Mahalalil. And Canaan liveth after his begetting Mahalil eight hundred and forty years, and begetteth sons and daughters. And all the days of Canaan are nine hundred and ten years, and he dieth. And Mahalil liveth five and sixty years, and begetteth Jared. And Mahalil liveth after his begetting Jared eight hundred and thirty years, and begetteth sons and daughters. And all the days of Mahalil are eight hundred and ninety and five years, and he dieth. 
And Jared liveth a hundred and sixty and two years, and begotteth Enoch. And Jared liveth after his begotting Enoch eight hundred years, and begetteth sons and daughters. And all the days of Jared are nine hundred and sixty and two years, and he dieth. And Enoch liveth five and sixty years, and begotteth Methuselah. And Enoch walketh habitually with God after his begetting Methuselah three hundred years, and begetteth sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch are three hundred and sixty-five years. And Enoch walketh habitually with God, and he is not, for God hath taken him. And Methuselah liveth a hundred and eighty and seven years, and begotteth Lamech. And Methuselah liveth after his begetting Lamech seven hundred and eighty and two years, begetteth sons and daughters. And all the days of Methuselah are nine hundred and sixty and nine years, and he dieth. And Lamech liveth a hundred and eighty and two years, and begetteth a son, and call his name Noah, saying, This one doth comfort us concerning our work, and concerning the labor of our hands, because of the ground which Jehovah hath cursed. And Lamech liveth after his begetting Noah five hundred and ninety and five years, and begetteth sons and daughters. And all the days of Lamech are seven hundred and seventy and seven years, and he dieth. And Noah is a son of five hundred years, and Noah begetteth Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Genesis chapter 5. Thank you very much, Nomad. Um, what is your feeling about these time spans? It seems very odd to me that a lot of them were having children well into their hundreds. Uh, except for one that was only 62 years old. Um, but then they lived for another 500. Some lived for 500 or 800 years more. One of them almost lived a thousand years. Yeah, I think Methuselah is one of the oldest uh, people that lived, if I remember correctly. Yes. Yeah, what, what is your take on the years? Do you think maybe time was different? Uh, atmosphere was different? Uh, I think we've atmosphere talked about this somewhat before. Yeah. But... <clears throat> yeah, I do think that the atmosphere was different and people were larger and uh, everything seemed to be larger. And I think that people lived longer. And I think because of that, it almost seems like, you know, perhaps people were you know, running out of things to do and, and an adjustment needed to be made. So people didn't live in their carnal bodies so long. Um, that seems to be what happened. Cause then right after the flood, God says, and their days will be 120. Right. And that's, uh -oh. you know, we've kind of speculated. Yeah. Some people, maybe there's some outliers, but pretty much that's the cap for most people. Uh, if they make it that much. And that's usually the people that seem to be the lightest uh, about them. Uh, people who don't take everything so seriously, in my opinion, from just observing, they seem to live, you know, a lot longer because they're not stressing out about everything. But 120 seems to be close to the cap still to this day. If you're lucky. <clears throat> yeah. Right. Or, or unlucky, however you want to leave it. Well, my well, grandfather. I just think how, depending on how intentional you are about everything, right? Like if you're. If you're not even thinking about your health, then yeah, you're probably going to succumb to a lot of our modern day living, which is more about the, you know, instant gratification and less about longevity, I would say. <laughs> Most definitely. My grandfather is 87 and you wouldn't know it. He looks like he's probably about 60 or something because uh, he still gets That's... around. He still walks around pretty well. 
but he's kind of uh, he's an old man, so he's he's like, I'm gonna get you if you don't, you know, do this right or do that right. So I, I don't I don't know about that too much. And I had a grandma that died at 102, and uh, she was kind of a mean old lady too. So. Now, I, I wouldn't say that it means they're not mean because I actually the people I'm thinking about kind of are mean. Uh, but what I will say is they don't they don't uh, they don't like let life get to them in a way. Right. And so like they might be mean and stuff, but they're not going to, I guess, stress out about like every little thing uh, in it affecting them, if that makes sense. So, it, yeah, it, it, they are kind of correlated. And I think ideally you have that lightness about you where you're not worried and you're still kind to people. But I do think people can sort of be mean to people but like almost because they're like selfish or narcissistic so it's like you know yeah their energy isn't being loosed by anybody if that makes sense well my grandma's I think 85 that it and comes she with... just lost her life uh she just got in a car accident and she can't drive anymore but uh she's very pessimistic and like hates everything uh anything that anybody does she like she's a super big worry wart so and she seems to be in in pretty good health as well, so I don't I don't know if you have something there or not, Nomad. Maybe my family. Well, I mean, what different. she's eighty five. I'm I'm thinking <laughs> if you're trying to live to hundred and twenty, right? Okay. So that would still be that would still be a few years. She's still got yeah. People that I've seen in their hundreds, like I'm talking, you know, I've met people like hundred and seven, like. I had a, a old like adopted grandma that I used to go visit and mm-hmm. you know she was she was actually the oldest person I've ever met and she had both about her she was you could tell she wasn't like a person that worried a lot but she was also very kind um, but then the people seen like early hundreds and they're the ones that I've met at least were a little bit more you could say mean but maybe more a little bit narcissistic uh, but not worrying about every little thing just kind of here for a good time so you know the saying here for a good time not a long time i think sometimes it can actually you know if you're not stressing about everything you might live longer um i think it has to do with like how you treat yourself too like uh once you like grasp the concept that like if somebody is treating you awfully it's not necessarily you or if somebody doesn't like you like stop worrying about it because that's generally that person's problem not yours you know i think that there are concepts that, you know, my great grandmother was 107 when she died, or I'm sorry, my great, great grandmother and my great grandmother just recently passed. And I think she was either 99 or a hundred and they were native. They're uh, native. And um, I think that like they had first of all being poor makes you worry about different types of things and um but like it also makes either it brings out the best or worst and the way you treat yeah like and then to realize that you know how other people treat you is not your fault i think that like that will alleviate a lot of things or that like to know that you have purpose in this life what really hurts me and gets me is that these people there's people in this world that like walk around that like first of all think they have no purpose and second of all being just like you know useful idiots for something bigger you know what I mean so it's like crazy like once you like ascend to that or like gain the knowledge to 
if nobody would have taught me that, I would have never known. And it seems to me like a lot of things might um, affect that. But, you know, like knowing that that's that person's fault, not yours, you know, sorry. Yeah. yeah and real quick, I just want to say welcome, Joshua. Glad you're what here. Up? Um, I up? see you're mentioning some stuff about DNA. Uh, perhaps we were talking about atmosphere, but do you think there was perhaps some DNA manipulation involved to shorten the? Well, I think it was both. Yeah, okay. Sabat Shalom, and uh, thanks for welcoming me on this fine we... holiday evening. <laughs> we evening. <laughs> oh, we evening. Um, yeah, we just started twelve minutes ago, uh, and we oh, just cool. read uh, Genesis twelve. 5. And that was the first uh, topic that we had been discussing. So you haven't missed too much yet. Cool, cool. I, yeah, I tried to get here quickly, but uh, my friends wanted to go dancing. And I thought, well, you know, it's very out of character for me to do something like that. And, I, and I'm a type that uh, I think everything happens for a reason. So I went just to make sure I didn't miss anything deeply symbolic. And uh, I did get some interesting sinks that occurred so did you dance oh yeah i mean it's oh okay that, embarrassing, that, that is worth idiotic it. high schooler type song stuff i mean it, <laughs> but the person That's worth it but the friend that invited me is in salsa classes and so now i got invited to salsa next thursday Uh-oh. so that's better go you I mean, better I'm go salsa fan but i'm in it for the exercise really so oh, anyway it'll get better, better but yeah, it was it was lackluster dance party. <laughs> I'm in it for the exercise. That's like when crypto people say, "I'm in it for the technology." <laughs> or you read Playboy for the editorials. So, but uh, but yeah, let us before, know how it goes. Before the show's over, though, I would like to kind of talk about St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, and how it may relate to the serpent and you know, all that jazz. So I, I can save what I have to say about that for later. But the, yeah. as it as it pertains to Genesis, though, it got me thinking. I thought, oh, interesting. So it may relate kind of in a way um, to what we were talking about. But as far as the climatic uh, influences, <clears throat> I do think that things were, uh, we had mega fauna and yeah. mega flora and things of that nature, because I think there was more oxygen saturating uh, the air, which probably allowed things to get bigger. Um, now that said, uh, before the flood, it had never rained when until the flood occurred. So, and do you think was... it was tropical? Sorry, to, I'm just yeah, curious, yeah, as we're talking so. about this, painting a picture for people. Well, and if you've ever kept a terrarium or aquariums and things like that, you know. Um, you can even like get the mist to hang over the, you know, the, the, right. or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> the ground part of the terrarium, you can actually achieve a, a, a level of humidity where the mist just kind of hangs over. And, um, I would do that a lot when I had frogs, for instance, cause they really liked that. And you couldn't even get them to chirp unless there was like mist in there and sun rays hitting the glass. Like it, there had to be very ideal conditions by digress. So I think, yes, the giants, uh, there's probably like plesiosaurus and megalodon, like all that stuff I think is kind of like from that era. And of course, next chapter we'll be reading about the giants. Mm. 
uh, as a reminder, I think you guys mentioned reaching out to Gary Wayne about that. But but anyway, I think the Giants themselves were probably another relic of that era. Um, but I do speculate that maybe Yahweh did something to our DNA as well, because you mentioned how he shortened our years. So I, not only did he did we become smaller as a result after the flood, because I think the climate changed in some ways, but I think we might have been also genetically manipulated to not exceed a certain period of time because um, we we didn't have the, the spiritual purity to be allowed to live forever because of the carnal body, like you mentioned, uh, which the giants were known for the destructiveness, their insatiable appetites, and they just consumed the land, as it says in some of the scripture. I can't remember if that's actually in the canon or not, but uh, I know that some of the biblical texts, apocryphal perhaps, do characterize them that way, that they, they just literally consumed the land and they ate people too. So um, this, you know, tradition of cannibalism and things like that, I think, is also a uh, a vestigial behavior from that era. But, but yeah, fully condensed. I think they lived in the earth because we you often see titans associated with the earth and things like that. Um, but you know, the angels were some of them are supposed to be gigantic, um, holding up like the pillars of the earth and things like that. So. You know, I think that some of those things that um, maybe are still serving God are still huge, but because they're obedient, you know, but it's like the more obedient we become, the smaller we became, um, the more sin we had, the smaller we got, you know. So I think it's kind of interesting to look at maybe the uh, effect sin has had on our DNA or, you know, it started with Adam, but he lived for like what a thousand years something like that 996 years or something 930 yeah so um so yeah it seemed like you know even at the fresh out of the package so <laughs> right out the box <laughs> yeah, you know a thousand years was all he, was his shelf life you know so and since then we're now that so we're like at a 10 percent of that now you know what i mean so i think that when the rectification comes during the millennial reign like we're going to be allowed to eat from that tree of life again. And we may not get to live forever, but I think we'll at least get to live as long as Adam did, which for me helps to explain the millennial reign, because after all, he lived to be a thousand years. So that's just some speculation on my part that maybe we'll get back to these conditions. So maybe it'll begin to look like it did before over time. Uh, who knows? But yeah, thanks for letting me weave on that a little bit. Do you want to live for 930 years? Dude, I could, yeah, because I got so much to learn and do and see. I, I would learn instruments. I would, you know, I have so many animals. <laughs> okay. But you got to realize. 930, like, that's nine centuries. Yeah, but everybody would be living that long you know what i mean like and you're no, not gonna get people old would, the way we think would. about it now so like you wouldn't get you wouldn't actually get old until you were like 800 you see what i mean like so you would have the year the how you feel right now you might only be at like 200 you know what i mean <laughs> and still got 600 years of good living to do before you even got lord beat. help me no <laughs> so i'm just saying like 
I feel like I could fill that time up pretty good and I would travel more, you know, <laughs> but you'd have to get rid of like the things that would make you want to kill yourself, like your job, uh, taxes, bills, all of these gravitational things that hold you down and make you way more. Right. Well, true. But, you know, even in some of the examples of people that live forever, like vampires and stuff, they would just recreate lives. You know what I mean? <laughs> and move around and stuff. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I wouldn't just sit in a cave for a thousand years. I would, I would oh, experience no. the world and, you know, but anyway, I think that I, we'll get the chance during the millennium. DB Cooper. It. So that tree <laughs> that eating from in the Sumerian tablets, I think it's that tree. We might get to eat from that, you know, and, and finally experience that. But only after we've developed the discernment and the judgment, which was what was given to us when we ate from the tree. Um, it did make us wise, but it did kill us at the same time. Made us wise to evil. Yeah. So <laughs> I think that's very interesting. You know, like it. if you know evil, you aren't allowed to live. You know what I mean? It's kind of an interesting dichotomy, but that's where intellect comes from. It's like the evil. So, so is it stupid to have children or is it smart to have children? It's obedient because we were told to be fruitful and multiply. That's the only commandment I, I, I can't do. <laughs> or you know what it's I mean? A, I have a wife. So that's, that's a, there's a mystery yeah. in that. So God bless anybody that's got a child. I was like, oh, you don't have to be ma- Oh, never mind. Well, I mean, marriage is a sacrament, like a holy sacrament. I understand. Uh, childbirth and stuff. That's a holy, like these are rites of passage that you if you have the proper understanding or, or want to see it i guess there's a lot hidden in that i think and for sure i okay. was just talking to uh one of the the lady who invited me to the dance uh her, she brought her daughter Ooh. along uh, i knew it was a girl she was a, yeah well, only girls can get you out to come dance <laughs> no i got a trivia team they're on my trivia team so uh <laughs> but she's a gynecologist and oh and how Sorry. that relates to the <laughs> curtain and the holy of holies and it was a really interesting conversation the curtain sure the holy of holies yeah but that's off topic because this is that's that's <laughs> like later in exodus when they build the tabernacle okay. yeah the curtain right. for the holy of holies that's the hymen oh. yeah oh wow that's what i thought you were referring to i, mean, I just uh, had that epiphany the other day yeah <laughs> um so <laughs> i had a couple things here uh one is um i was kind of thinking of it as they're timesing these numbers by 10 so when it says uh seth lived 800 years it's 80 or 900 and uh 105 years and begeth enos seth lived 105 years maybe that's uh 15 um, oh, like they're using live. the metric system? Something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Yeah, maybe so. Um, but I, I, I find uh, what you guys said just as valid anyway. So it doesn't. I was just bringing up something else like maybe because, you know, people that was often, an interesting interpretation. People often uh, associate like the years of God to be like a thousand and he built uh, the world and, you know, 6,000 years and then 7,000 years he was in the evening and then all this stuff occurred while he was in that evening 
and then uh, Jesus died and met him on the seventh day. So I was just thinking, well, maybe maybe these are based on a fraction of what God lived, well, a thousand to one, so maybe a hundred or ten to one or something like that. And maybe that's why we get these numbers. It's just a, <clears throat> a thought I had. Um, if you guys want to talk about that before. Yeah, I, I mean, personally, I think... I think that God, like uh, Dan Winter says, time is a spin rate, essentially, right? So I think, uh, that, yes. I think that God is like outside of that. And so for him, he's in a different spin rate. So what happens here, I think we are talking about what happens here as actually being, you know, closer to a thousand. Um, but outside of that, you know, it, God's would be a thousand because then he specifically says now their days will be 120 years, right? Yeah, I guess I'm that. Yeah, I think that's amazing. Uh, spin rate. Uh, what if the world was turning a lot faster uh, at that time? And so a, a, a spin or a day was a lot quicker and the revolution was a lot faster. And, you know, you kind of think of what's what's that force called when it's, you're, you're spinning and you get pushed out? Like it's maybe that. Centrifugal force. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that could have. <laughs> maybe that force could have uh, a reaction to the human body and make it elongated, make it taller, make it bigger, uh, because of that centrifugal force, or you know, because it's bringing it out. Because the gravity is probably going to be different, so that would affect the gravity on the planet too you would have to be that big to be compressed down to the earth you'd have to have a lot of mass otherwise you'd just float away you'd levitate there's two of them there's one that i think pushes, a, pushes away and one that draws to the center so maybe if it's drawing drawing us to the center that could be what's making us smaller is that like like i said that enhanced gravity so maybe it was less in the past which would also explain the so it could have been a combination of elements like the spin the oxygen mm -hmm, etc i've also found my family's found um fossilized palms like from palm trees in the pacific northwest uh so i do think there was perhaps a time where if it wasn't the whole world at least some of the areas that we know of not being like this were actually tropical um, what do you guys think about that? Do you think that at one time, kind of all of Earth was more tropical? Yes. Wait, sorry, one thing to add on that, because don't we also see like the blue zones where people are healthier and live longer as being more tropical? Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I thought it was the other way around. That's what I was just live, about to. You live yeah. longer in colder climates. But yeah. I think the reason for that would be that you're uh, exposed to less pathogens, maybe. Yeah, it kills germs um, and heat causes more germs. That's why more people were dying of coronavirus in the winter. I mean, but in the summer. Definitely on the equator, though. So that yeah. I, I don't think I've heard about this. And the equator is expanded as well. Like the areas on the e equator look bigger than what they're portrayed on a map as well. What's the blue... Why, why, like, why exactly are they called blue zones? You know, I don't know too much about it. I've just heard the term thrown around and it, this conversation reminded me of it. So I'd have to look more into it. But um, yeah, I think like Costa Rica is one of them. I think California 
So, but I don't think right. they're always, they're not always necessarily tropical. Um, but that's just kind of what, where my mind went to when we're talking about trying to figure out what was it, was it genetics, was it atmosphere, um, all of these things. Also, when I do like, I just started an herb garden and when you're starting it out, you want to have like a little dome on it, right. To help the germs or sorry, to help the plants, the seeds germinate. Uh, so that's also interesting, right? Because we almost see this this time of Earth when it was like perhaps domed off more, and then and the firmament was opened or whatever. Um, so that just reminded me of the plant planting process as well. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I think that you're right. That might be the closest thing to that megafauna era that we have still today, like a vestigial. But to answer your question about the palms, though, I've even wondered if. Pangea wasn't how you know because imagine I think that's kind of like how, <clears throat> how the flat earth could be true is that at one time it was literally just a flat or maybe not literally flat necessarily but it, it was all one piece in a huge body of water because after all when we read Genesis it talks about how mm -hmm. land was just formed in the water like that so I think initially it was just a big flat plain on water and then eventually it got broken apart um at, you know when the flood occurred which you know would explain how fossils got moved around all over the mountains place. valleys canyons and well, then the mountains, landscape changed uh, afterwards you know like then you were able to to make distinctions in the sky you know what i mean just by landscapes so of course these people thought the earth was flat um, the Atlas Mountains in Africa are the sister mountain range to the Appalachians on the East Coast. So mm -hmm. it would even seem to suggest that Africa was once um, contiguous to you know, North America. Yeah, there's also uh, a mountain range on the East Coast that's uh, uh, the same as England, Ireland. Well, but yeah, see, I think they all fit together, which would yeah. imply a, a great cataclysm of some sort that, you know, maybe busted them all apart, which seems plausible, of course. Or not even like busted them apart, but just filled it in more, right? Uh, so if a bunch of waters from above were entered into Earth and filled in, filled it in more then all of these the areas that used to be connected, now those become large oceans right mm -hmm. because we know that there was probably some division of like the four rivers right yes. uh, but i think that it was probably flooded and then all of the valleys and everything were filled in and created oceans and now we have these more isolated pockets of land that's what it seems like yeah i mean i i agree with that actually but i think also when the water came out of the sky i mean that's miles high so you know if you're ever taking a bucket and dumped it on soil or whatever it just carves into it dude <laughs> so i think you know if it wasn't an asteroid or whatever just the sheer force of all that water coming down onto the earth i think just split it apart um just carved it all up you know so in a way i think both are true and yeah it's just you got to think on a really big scale like what would it look like if you just poured out water on sand you know it would just if you had like a, if you created something out of dirt or sand and then you poured water on it, it would just tear it all to pieces. Right. Well, I think it did. I like, I think that's why we, you know, we just see these faint remnants of, of, uh, 
of like ancient civilizations that are like deep in the water. And then there's areas that are deep trenches, right? It looks very much like landscape uh, that we know, but underwater. Uh, so, I, and I, it is a curious question though. Do you, how do you think it, the flood happened? Do you think it was like this torrential flow from like the opening and the expanse or was it like removing that dome essentially and creating a different atmosphere where now we actually have rain as we know it coming from above and from below? Does that make sense? Well, the way sense. I think scripture discusses it in a couple of different ways. It says that the uh, portals were opened up in the firmament. So I think that the firmament is there, of course, but that there's these windows or, or something that, that could be opened. And uh, those were opened to allow water in. But then the water also came up from the deep. So it seems as though there's valves on the top and bottom and that all of them were opened and so waters came in from below and above at simultaneously right but the waters from above never stopped right is because before that it was just waters coming up from below and sort of that mist perhaps but we didn't like you said have rain as we know it so do you think that there was some sort of literal just certain areas where water was let in or do you think it was like changing the atmosphere kind of like we talked about in a way where now we have rain from above well you know for the first time ever this week i saw something strange in the news that i'd never heard of and it was called an atmospheric river or something like that and it just the eridanus well yeah it's funny (laughs) you mentioned i guess that's kind of what it does remind me of too but um i saw that in the news recently that over portland oregon i think it was hanging out it just looked like this big river in the sky and it was going to dump all this water and stuff so who knows i mean i guess you had to be just see it we just had one of those in california about a a month ago or so and they called it an atmospheric river and that's when it dumped like crazy here and uh a bunch of stuff got flooded um and so, yeah, I was watching the news when it was pouring here, and uh, they were talking about an atmospheric river also. So if that had happened for 40 days straight, what would have happened, do you think? Oh, like, is that a fair comparison? We'd probably die. <laughs> I think it happened for like two or three days, and it was a lot. Yeah, everything was flooded. Uh, people's cars were flooded. I mean, this was about uh, five four or five feet of water in some places um and uh mostly in like parking structures with cemented parking structures where cars were at they got flooded up and a lot of the river uh roads got uh flowed flowed over and businesses got flooded and stuff like that but <clears throat> if that went on for 40 days and 40 nights we'd be in deep trouble <laughs> That's a good pun. Um, you know, there was probably a lot less water then too before all this, like you said, Nomad. And but where did it come from? <laughs> so, like outside the firmament, I, I often wondered if space is just water. You know? Well, the well, W and the M, you switch it, and it becomes it's like matter, water. What um, if um. So- yeah. What if uh the the com- if there was a comet in impact on the earth and that hit the water and created tidal waves or whatnot 
what if that also created smoke or whatnot, which rose up into the atmosphere? Uh, because I think in the flood, they is it in the flood where they talk about like maybe not, maybe I'm thinking of a different, uh, maybe I'm thinking about Sumerian, but there was like a black mist in the sky that like uh, kind of stopped the sunlight. That was in the desert. And that's why the sun got blocked for a few days. And maybe maybe just from that whole plumage of smoke being in the sky, it created a new type of atmosphere. Uh, that I don't, But that doesn't make sense because there's volcanoes and stuff and they've been erupting for a long time. So maybe I'm not. Yeah, I think that. I think the water was here. It seems like based off of everything we know, it seems to predate because even in the Bible, it says God was floating on the waters, right? We talked about that. Yeah. It didn't seem like it said God made the water. No. Uh, so I think the water was like the original substance used to form everything else. And God created a space within that, like a little bubble. And then we get, he starts making earth from that point on, right? So it's like water expanse and then, and then land. Is that, is that right? I get where you're going with this because on day two, that's when the firmament was made, right? But God never said it was good. God never said day two was good. He said day three was good twice. There's also the uh, salt water and fresh water. Those two things as distinctions too. I'm not sure if it mentions anything in genesis about the differentiation between salt water and fresh water but i do know in the sumerian stories that's a really big deal like between fresh and salt water for instance but uh fresh water of course we don't have salt water rain down so it makes me wonder was the water that was here already salt water um, and then the water that rained down must have been maybe fresh water. So it would make sense. I don't know. That's just ocean. something I guess I was thinking about there. The ocean salt water. You know what I mean? I yeah. Yeah. I think that both seem to serve already. their purpose. You think the salt water was first? Is that what you're saying? Well, it would make sense because uh, salt water is buoyant. And so you got this land sitting in the water, you know, um, I don't know. It just kind of makes practical sense to me. Expansion. But then like, what were people drinking? <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I don't know. So it's kind of, uh, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it is strange though, that, uh, to think about, but Tiamat is a lot of times associated with salt water as well. And of course the earth or the land of the earth anyway, is a lot of times associated with her, 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 her body, her corpse. So, um, you know, maybe he indeed used <laughs> Tiamat, uh, salt water and land to create earth. Um, but then right, again, where did the fresh water come from? You know, so it, it just makes me wonder. It seems like based off of that, fresh water would be here first. Because uh, salt is is more of like earth, right? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be considered like a mineral or like a... Oh, that's interesting. Well, I think the water that came from the deep... Um, was salt water but i think the water that came from above must have been fresh I, I, that's the only way i can rationalize it in my mind it just doesn't make sense otherwise but i see the point you're making about the salt though um but uh it's just it's just strange because the uh there's just such a big deal made about it in the sumerian thing but they I, 
Is it even mentioned here? Is salt water anywhere in there? No, but it's it's Eve, y'all. We know that. We went over that too. Eve is life. She's the spring in the dam. She's like yeah, the fountainhead. Life you force. That about that yeah. Room. So like that, I think maybe Eve has something to do with fresh water and why we could sustain life here because we wouldn't be able to if all we were drinking was salt water. You just made me think of something else too. Like uh, when a child's born, a mother's water breaks, um, but is it salt water or fresh water? Cause you know, we are salty ourselves. So that's another uh, thought that came to mind. <laughs> I think uh, well, the other thing uh, is fresh water comes ahead, from, from the ground and uh, because it gets purified by going through uh, the rocks and whatnot. And then the, the salt water is the sea. So if you had like, because a lot of the springs and the rivers are usually fresh water. Uh, it's, it's like snow melt and ice melt and whatnot. Yeah. Too. So. Or mineral water again, because it's yeah. coming from the earth. Yeah. So it's gone through that, like once again, the, very beginning of genesis like where he you know uh where he like he says he makes you know humans and nature and it's good wait let's we scroll down just a little bit but he says something about it's i think it's the 12th line where he's like okay you know after yeah herb sowing seed and it's kind fresh fruit and it's Basically, when the fruit came out of the ground, it was good. So once things go through the earth and get purified, uh, it's supposed to be good. Yeah, I think, and also, if you want plants to grow, generally, you would use fresh water, right? So if it yeah. was the waters from below that were keeping everything healthy and growing lusciously, I would think that, that would be fresh water originally. But who knows? There, are, I think there are ones that thrive in salty water, but not as common, I would say. Maybe the salt only came after God became salty <laughs> and wanted to kill us. Well, that's what I'm kind of wondering. I mean, salt does have a lot of qualities that are good, right? Of like preservation. Yeah. Um, so it salty, could bro. just be like, it could just be that we it was everything was fresh water earth was added to the equation expanse was added to the equation and with that we get this other substance of salt water which is like the mingling of earth and water that's kind of how i'm seeing it but open to interpretations no i think yeah. i think you're on to something that i do want to mention <laughs> day two day two yeah. was never said to have been good and that's the day that the firmament was made so your point that i don't even know if you were knew you were trying to make earlier is uh co-signed right there in genesis so um there you go yep and it was never made good Right. So, so we were separated from God more in, in this, perhaps. But or, all or the we're pieces still on day two. Yet, right. Yeah. All the pieces <laughs> like, aren't together yet. So it's not good. It's like when you make some music or a piece of content and you're not finished and you don't want people to see it yet. Right. It's like, mm -hmm. it's, it's not, it's not good yet. Give me some time. Um, yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Like, the clay's just sitting there on the wheel, 
<laughs> right. Uh, to 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 move on to another Literally. point, um, Joshua, you had mentioned like uh, megalodon and dinosaurs. Um, what are oh, your yeah. guys' thoughts on dinosaurs? Um, it seems to be. Uh, I don't know. A lot of people don't think dinosaurs ever existed. Uh, I know a lot of Christians don't believe dinosaurs ever existed. What are your guys' kind of thoughts on dinosaurs? Don't tell my nephew that dinosaurs don't exist because he will just, I mean, that's his life dedication right there. He can go through every single one and tell you their genealogy too. (laughs) personally think that they were some of the abominations that were created mm-hmm. um and not in the blueprint which is why they were killed off for the most part although i think some animals that are around today like crocodiles and you know certain lizards and such might uh be relatives to them and of course because things are smaller now you know they they too are smaller so i mean imagine a Komodo dragon or a gecko being huge, <laughs> you know, in the right conditions, they they probably could have got quite large. Um, but so I think they too suffer from the same curse in a sense that we suffer in, in that smallness of sorts. So I think at one time they were real, very real. And I think the dragons were probably real also um, and related to this type of dinosaur phenomena because it's interesting yeah. you know a lot of people like dragons and like to fantasize about those being real but then you know i, I for, for me they're they and dinosaurs are the same thing and i think they probably were able to speak and probably a lot more intelligent than we think and i think they ruled this earth at one time um yeah which is part of the reason they were wiped out i think is that the serpent in the garden then yeah like his children essentially and perhaps lilith was a lot of yeah no nations that were born so i think that yeah i think they were i think it's all real man (laughs) (laughs) i mean you gotta have an imagination to believe in god in the first place so why not have dinosaurs yeah i think it's possible okay um i want to get uh nomad's opinion on that too but also and and you too morgan but also uh do you think they went extinct 65 million years ago or that man actually lived with dinosaurs? Uh, and then also were these dinosaurs sentient? Uh, did they have brains? Could they think on their own uh, like humans? Because uh, that kind of gives yeah. rise to the whole reptilian idea, I guess you could say. Or maybe there was a, a human-like reptilian species that existed along with dinosaurs and it wasn't till later that you know this human body came about uh so just some thoughts on that man well i'd say that yeah they they were contemporaries before the flood but it you know we don't hear about the dinosaurs being taken on the ark so Mm. i think that that was when the sheep and the goats got separated so to speak you know like they just weren't taken. And so therefore they were in a sense killed off. Um, and I do think that they were probably sentient. Um, and I do think they've been trying to mix with us. Now, 
I think a lot of times when we found the bones and this, that, and the other, um, I think that those were probably the, you know, uh, relating to a certain type of angel or, or, or a particular angel, kind of like how they all probably had, um, like for instance, such and such angel might've been all the dinosaurs that looked a certain way, you know, it might've been his children or his or her children. So, um, cause I think their aim was they wanted to create their own races and their own creatures and just like God did. Um, but of course they weren't permitted to do that. <laughs> and it's kind of interesting too, because in, when you read about the stories of Lilith and some of the other fallen angels, uh, it, it seems as though they were doing this as like an act of rebellion and uh, Yahweh wiped them out um, because they were being disobedient and creating like abominations as they were known as. I'm with you on that. What do you think, Morgan? I am so like he said, if you're going to have a, an imagination, you got to go all out, man. Um, they, <laughs> we <laughs> I'm with that. But we also have like parts of our brains that come from um, certain types of uh, reptiles. Um, yeah. yeah. So hold on. What are you bringing up, Nomad? It's called the R complex. Yeah. So in uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 21, it says, and this is in the Young Literal translation, it says, and God prepareth the great monsters and every living creature that is creeping which the waters have teemed with after their kind and every fowl with wing after its kind and god seeth that it is good so it's just interesting because in my translation it says and god prepareth the great monsters and it was good right, right. Um, and if you look if you look up the original hebrew that word is used 21 times for dragon so oh. in most cases this word is is actually translated dragon Holy shit. Um, three or times whale? Well, yeah, three times it's serpent, three times it's whale, and one time it's sea monster. So, to, to, in other words, I think there were these dragons or dinosaurs at one point, and I think that they were perhaps good, perhaps super wise, um, but there was some corruption that happened at some point, it seems like. Well, I mean, what makes you think that they still aren't living? No, right. Maybe they are. Well, and like I've, I think I've, shared with you guys i've had an experience with a with a serpentine entity so i think that there is some sort of um like you said in intelligent species however whether it's in this realm or another realm and they're able to communicate with us it does there does seem to be a correlation there especially since jesus said be wise as serpents right uh, and harmless as doves so i think that there is something to that and uh, there's a lot to <clears throat> that so in the firmament in my studies, I have come across uh, a lizard called a Tuatara lizard, and it has a third eye on its head. And these lizards are said to have existed before dinosaurs, according to science or whatever, um, that they were around before dinosaurs were around. And I found it was interesting that Tuatara sounds a lot like Tataria. And so my connection was that I think maybe that there were these human uh, type lizards with a third eye 
that existed before the time of dinosaurs and they were kind of the first ones and then the dinosaurs existed and then they coexisted and then yeah maybe uh the dinosaurs got wiped out during the flood even uh there are artifacts that show humans and dinosaurs together <clears throat> and even it talks about uh, a dinosaur or a dragon breathing fire in the book of job uh, which i think i read uh, a couple weeks ago and so there's the leviathan monster um so I, I think that dinosaurs did kind of coexist with humans at some time and i think the idea of them being extinct 65 million years ago is what is the actually the preposterous part and that they were actually living uh you know maybe only like a hundred thousand years ago or ten thousand years ago even um and uh i think uh maybe the flood changed a lot of the stuff going on in the atmosphere maybe even the spin rate that we were just mentioning and that caused everything to shrink uh and become smaller and you had outliers of these giants right that existed and you also had outliers of these dragons that existed because at one point they're going around trying to eradicate all of these types of things in in history um so i i think that there was when it says the bible says and they still lived in earth after the flood uh i think that some of these monsters still existed and they kind of made it their duty to go around and take them out and take out the giants deus volt <laughs> oh uh leviathan's also kosher by the way so when it says that these sea monsters are good that they're also good to eat I mean, like they're literally kosher i mean they have fins and they have scales i mean it's it's i'm, I'm totally being serious it's I, I believe you because like i think it gets down to literal words literally mean what you are reading on the like in the bible and then bring, also esoterically. That brings up an interesting point of uh, the life waters and, and life uh, seed um, coming from the water and the water being purification. So it would make sense that these animals that came from water would be kosher. That's why nobody cares about eating fish really too much, you know, um, because they're coming from the waters. Well, mind you, not all fish, like catfish, yeah, shark. Yeah. Bottom I feeders. Mean, are, yeah, but not even bottom feeders. Just like there are sharks, not necessarily a bottom feeder, but just uh, it is tricky. So, you know, um, but but yeah, the descriptions of Leviathan does talk about it breathing fire and boiling the water, just all sorts of crazy stuff like that. But uh, he also, Yahweh also slays Leviathan to feed his people at one point too. So I think that's really interesting because um, I think the tabernacle at some point, I think it's describing the tabernacle and how he fed his people in the desert or something like that. I wondered if maybe they used the skin of Leviathan as the, um, uh, like the tent canopy. You know what I mean? Like, because it talks mm. about skins of Leviathan. I used to wonder what that meant, you know? So, so part of me wonders if, if he didn't like 
slay this beast for them to eat and then they used its bones and skin to like create the tabernacle which would make sense because the levite that's what i like wait the leviathan levites right Mm -hmm. blows my mind to think about no (laughs) don't go there like cannibalism (laughs) well they weren't cannibals because they weren't they weren't fish themselves i guess but you know what i mean like it was a kosher beast Well, uh, think about divine. So funny. Think about also if they were to skin a leviathan. This is maybe kind of where they got the idea of scale mail, chain mail, because they were unable to pierce leviathan. So they're like, oh, if we develop this chain mail or whatnot to protect our skin, maybe we won't get stabbed. And also the That's idea, really... the yeah. idea of housing. And how to lay down the branches on the top of the roof, the thatching, uh, just like we have in, in, in our roofs today. We have it overlap on the top so that way no water seeps in, just like scales. Um, so maybe that's where they got the idea to put. Dude, like shingles, right? Yeah, shingles, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, there's behemoth too. So there was a um so it's talking well, about the yeah, water man, here. Yeah, so there was one with land and there was one with water, which is interesting because in uh Revelation 13, there's the beast of the sea and the beast of the land, and the mark of the beast is associated with each of those. So there might even be something there to weave on. Mm. Yeah, then they just find some woolly mammoths alive somewhere. Right. Yeah. Oh, they're going to mix it with uh, existing elephant genes to try and produce a woolly mammoth. Oh, they're going to make one in the lab. Great. So we got woolly mammoths coming back, red heifers, and leviathans, Jurassic Park. Well, Godzilla, really, when you think about it. Yeah, Godzilla. No, turtle dragons. <laughs> then we get the judgment the we deserve. <laughs> Bowser's <laughs> divine beasts. Like seriously, though, but this is also in the book of or in the keys of Enoch about um, like uh, chain altering how to alter your DNA so therefore you could be more meta, um, like metallurgy, basically. Um, hold on and I'll see what I can, it's on my phone, but, um, because, and it also speaks about breaking the firmament and, um, opening up the waters between the moon and earth so that there's like this space for like the stars, the moon and earth. And then there's another firmament beyond that. And then I guess, you know, they're, they're trying to break that or what have you. But um, that's really crazy that you said that. Go ahead. Sorry, I'm going to find that what I was talking yeah, about. That is interesting because, you know, like I mentioned, I'm starting an herb garden. You also have a layer that's like the, the drip layer. Uh, so moisture doesn't get stuck and it can like breathe. So we there could be potential for like, you know, uh, Paul talks about the third heaven. Is that right? I think, uh, Joshua. So, yeah, you know, you, you could have like that, that third layer, that second layer, depending on how you number it. Uh, that's yeah. sort of for the expanse, but then the waters above and the waters below. 
Yep. In fact, I think each of the planets is contained within its own firmament of sorts. Like they uh, yes. are each in charge, so to speak, of their sphere or uh, they're kind of a lot of times are referred to as the governors. Um, and so I, I think that maybe there's something to that. And, and in the Emerald Tablets of Thoth, there's these various gates that, you know, he passes through. And again, it kind of reminds me of him going through the firmament, kind of like Enoch did. Yeah. Like that. And that's Do what you- basically happens is he goes up there and he's like, okay, well, I had to get rid of my meat suit. So I, I turned into a light body. Um and then when he is, I mean, first of all, it's like you're reading a sci-fi novel. <clears throat> like, I'm like, am I reading? Is this, what is this, fiction or nonfiction? Oh, it's a, like, sea scroll. You know what I mean? Like, it was nuts. But it basically, um, the information that it was giving, like, it's like how to transmute your self into light. And it gives you the instructions on how to do it, which I thought was nuts too. But um, what do you guys think about that? What do you think about the idea of trying to sort of ascend into all light, right? Do you think that is the goal? Or do you think there's some sort of oscillation happening between sort of spirit and the flesh where it almost, when the, the trap perhaps being, uh, th- always thinking the other side is better instead of, you know, embracing the sort of the present, the combination that we currently are in. Does that make sense? That's a freaking good question. I ask myself that all the time. I'm like, am I in the complete wrong or like, like, you know what I mean? Like sometimes I'm like, what is actually, what am I alive right now? Or is this all just like a joke? Because the things that are happening currently Like this was written in the book of Enoch. The keys to future biophysics are given in nuclear membranes involved in language transparency coatings beyond acid denaturation and in gel formation by nuclei connecting different mammalian chromosomes to one another. So basically like, and then it's set and then it keeps on the, it just goes into more detail about, you know, your, how your DNA works and how, you know, the messenger RNA is like your pathway, like your messengers to your spirit, you know, to the one or what have you and like denaturing that or uh, altering that or, you know, could possibly affect, you know, the way that you speak with your higher power or whoever guides you or, you know, whatever you believe in, um, it gets into that. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know we were going to go into that or I would have like had that all fixed, but it, it talks about your proteins in your DNA. Um, and it has a letter, like a, a Hebrew glyph for each one. Um, it's just, it's incredible to me, you know, like the different things that they knew back then. So when you ask, if you were to have asked me that a year ago, I would have been like, there's no way. But like, after like 
really, really looking into it, I kind of do think that they had this information. Yeah. yeah. Joshua. Go ahead, Joshua. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, so some, there's some talk about DNA having light components to it. So I think that there's probably something where in our pristine state before the original fall, we, I think we wore garments of light. Um, and that when we fell, that's when we became naked is because our garments disappeared. And then Adam and Eve realized that they were naked and tried right. to cover themselves with the fig leaf. So I think mm. that humans have been trying to make their way back to that state where we have that wedding garment, which is interesting because I think uh, Paul talks about this a little bit too, how we'll be changed uh, and things of that nature. Um, but uh, in Revelation, it, it talks a lot about the wedding of the lamb and uh, mm. in some parts of the Orthodox Greek Orthodox liturgy, they talk about in the creed, I think, uh, or excuse me, no, it's it's the uh, prayer before uh, communion. Uh, it talks about the if I am at the wedding and I don't have a garment, the angels bind me up and throw me out or something like that because I won't have my garment on. So it's talking about like people that try to get into heaven that won't have the garment on. It'll mm -hmm. be clear that they didn't get in the way they were supposed to because they won't have the garment on. And the only way you can get that garment is through the blood of the lamb. So somehow, some way there's a, a spiritual mechanic involved there where to get us back to that light body, the, the Christ was like this way that was made to get us back to that. Um, and if, and if you don't have that, this like, you, there's no other way to get it because we lost it already so i think that's really interesting to think about the light body in that way and i think that our bodies here as far as physical bodies are just for earth yes i think they're meant to be off the planet um i think it's honestly probably a grave sin to leave the planet in this body you know, it like, is. It's just disobedient. <laughs> or like, is it even possible? Like, I know I sound like nuts or what have you, but like, maybe they just get to the outer firmament that was released during the flood. And that's as far as they can get, because that's as far as they can go. Well, if we were going to take like a contemporary scientific approach, you could even refer to the Van Alden radiation belt, which apparently anything beyond a certain distance from earth it's just radiation and kills you you know so you so a human really can't exist past a certain point anyway uh right. if that's true um which <laughs> you know that would be the only practical use for robots and ai you know if you're gonna make yeah. that crap do it off the planet <laughs> yeah send it out into space because that's the only practical use for it i think um but you know, but yes, I think the light body and everything goes back to this garment of light, which probably were, yes, new, new wine into new skins. Exactly. No, man. I think this probably also relates to the chakras, the seven chakras um, and things of that nature, too. Uh, you mentioned earlier about our reptilian components, like we have a reptilian part of our brain, um, but also the kundalini 
spirit yep. is a lot of times serpentine. And I think that could be another uh, result of this interbreeding or, or whatever may have happened in the garden. And then uh, Dan was talking about the parietal eye that the some of the lizards have. Now, you can find references to this, too, in humans, except it was called the Lantern of Osiris. Mm. And it was that the human skull used to have these fontanelles that didn't ossify. So there were like there were soft spots in the brain or excuse me, soft spots on the skull. Which babies have at birth. Exactly. And we still have them, too, in the side of your head. And that's where they, you know, we call that your temple because your head's your temple. Um, So, you know, we still have like a vestigial thing of this uh, lantern of Osiris in the side of our head. That's the thinnest part of our skull. And so it was this area that we seem to be able to transmit probably how Adam and Eve spoke to animals, I would imagine, was using their pineal gland, like through their forehead or however it was like the, you know, the third eye usually appears in the middle of the forehead. Well, I think that was where this fontanelle was. And it was like a direct connection to the pineal gland. And I think the garment of light and everything like that is all like interrelated to that. Cause after all the lantern of Osiris, it's, it's, it's likely emitting light. <laughs> yes. But yeah. <clears throat> yeah so i was gonna say that um yeah with the transmutation idea and being able to transmute yourself into light i think yeah you uh, you could do that uh astral projection is kind of similar to that um I, I i think that um in a way before uh maybe the flood happened or whatever uh when people lived in a different way um that was possible and i think that's why kind of magic and uh like uh you know transmutation of objects and everything i think that's kind of why that picked up is because they wanted that ability back and they're trying to use uh science and uh knowledge and know-how to figure out how to do that again and that's kind of like the idea yeah without god yeah, without God, uh, uh, not necessarily without God. I would say because uh, that ability was given to us before, and and some for some reason we lost it. Whether it be the flood or the or fall, whatever, the fall, or yeah, maybe uh, through the fall, uh, and then through the hybridization, was... we 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 uh, devolved into two lesser beings from what we once were. And so we were trying to get that back. And that's why we, uh, you know, or not we, but that's why people develop magic in the magic schools uh, was to be able to learn how to do these things again. And even levitation was a big, uh, big deal uh, to be able to levitate. Uh, There's some Irish Druids uh, that came over to uh, Jerusalem because uh, there's this Simon Magus knew how to levitate and the steward wanted to learn how to levitate from him so there's an idea of these magical abilities that we possessed at some point or uh, or you can be able to do through knowledge um and and knowledge i think is a big deal uh i i, I think that's part of what we're here to do is to learn and uh fill ourselves with knowledge um 
I think it references uh, that in the Bible, even uh, Jesus is the word and God is the know-how, right? Well, like um, <clears throat> it even says in, in Genesis, uh, the well, I don't know exactly where, but it said the fall took several generations to catch up with the human gene pool and degeneration and decay. So I think that like, um, so then like what I found out is that um, this type of uh, Jewish faith or uh, religion or uh, what these people, the, this group of people, um, they carefully noted their genealogy. Um, like it was always noted. So when they're telling you or the Bible is telling you uh, the specific genealogies and the specific years of how long people lived, um, they're revealing that to you because long before, uh, long before this was written, did they, they have always kept a, a record of their um, genealogy because they've always been persecuted. I mean, for since the beginning of time. So that's like uh, why they did it also is so that the future people could recognize the righteous bloodline because somewhere we've gotten like crossed in the, in the mix hairs of it all. And um, like the post flood, the, like after the flood, um, the, so there were like 10 patriarchs before the flood, but then, you know, all knowledge got wiped away and what have you. Then we have t- 10 patriarchs after the flood, but Noah is the bridge of knowledge from the old world to the new world. So any knowledge that we like have acquired or gotten or get comes from Noah. Sorry. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. But that's where like, basically like, that's how, that's how that, you know, has gone and that's why and in each patriarch by the way had like adam through noah they each have like and not only their name but what like their name means and it all means like something different which is pretty Mm. cool but anyway that's something i wanted to get into later actually um but uh but nomad um read read this right here about simon magus Okay, yeah. Uh, since you brought it up, I thought we would just uh, do a little refresher on who he was. Uh, Simon Magus was a Samaritan Magus or religious figure of the first century AD who converted to Christianity and later clashed with Philip the Evangelist. He is mentioned by Luke in Acts 8, 9-24 and appears in Gnostic texts, but these accounts are unlikely to be historically reliable due to their anonymous authors. Um, but essentially, he was a sorcerer who was sort of claiming Christ, but didn't. Um, and I was going to pull up the actual verses here. We could go over them. But uh, Joshua, did you have anything to add on Simon Magus? Um, well, I'm not largely familiar with him specifically, but what he was asking them to do was he was offering payment to learn about the transmitting of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And in the Greek Orthodox Church, 
their big claim to fame, so to speak, um, like what they say makes them so special. They don't phrase it that way. I'm just kind of saying it that way. They, they talk about apostolic succession, which is from uh, the time of Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit came down and entered into the disciples. And then every priest since then has been a in the succession of apostolic succession so when they put the laying on of hands and transfer that holy spirit just like uh, morgan was talking about the genealogy thing well it's kind of like that in a way too uh, even though it's not genes it's like the the spiritual genetics in a sense <laughs> mm -hmm. i don't know a better way to mm -hmm. characterize it yeah. but um the fruit the fruit of the spirit there you go so um he's trying to purchase from them this in other words he wants them to lay their hands on him and and give him the anointing um and, and so today when uh priests you know lay their hands on people that's what they're supposed to be doing but I, i'm not so sure that they have that in them anymore but but at one time i think they did and it was kind of like the um maybe even like the electricity of the Ark yeah. of the Covenant, for instance, like it was something that coursed within their body and they could speak in tongues. Well, it manifested in different ways with each person, but, but um, I think that's the same thing that was used to resurrect Lazarus, the same thing to heal the blind. Um, but anyway, I think Simon wanted that. And it's just interesting because we kind of see here where he was trying to pay to become a priest, essentially. Right. And so this comes from Acts chapter eight in the Bible, and I can just read it real quick, uh, starting at verse nine, Simon, the sorcerer. Now for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is rightly called the great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them, they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, God and said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon answered, Pray to the Lord for me, so that nothing you have said may happen to me. After they had further proclaimed the word of the Lord and testified about Jesus, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. So yeah, that hopefully summarizes it uh, 
pretty good. But essentially, yeah, he was trying to buy God's power, right? Instead of going through the process of um, making sure you, you're pure first, which I think is what this is all about. It's like, uh, with great power comes great responsibility. So if you're not going to be responsible with that power, you're probably not going to be given it. it that seems to be built into the, the nature of things at um, the higher levels anyway. Weighing your soul against like a feather. Because uh, sin, well, sin, sin is a tremendous weight that holds you down. And so if you can alleviate yourself of sin, which is purifying your soul, then you can weigh yourself against a feather and enter the kingdom of heaven. Right. And I think there are many who try and, you know, become powerful by other means. And yes. sure, they're successful to some level, but I don't think that they are um, doing the kind of things that Jesus was doing. I, this kind of reminded me too of their antichrist because it talks about how he'll be able to do great signs and wonders and fool a lot of people so right. uh, this the study here on simon magnus is pretty interesting i'm gonna have to maybe do a comparison study um in, in revelation with this this fellow here yeah, yeah and it, i think uh, it is a similar spirit for sure the druid story that i heard that contains simon magnet magus uh, I forget the Druid's name. It's, you know, in Irish, so it's hard to pronounce. But um, he went to uh, find John the Baptist and get his head. And uh, and he was able to succeed and do so and, and get John the Baptist's head. And he brought it back. That along, along his journey, he saw um, the Simon Magnus guy and saw that he was able to levitate and wanted to learn how to levitate from him. Hey, hold on. So here's another thing. The Antichrist also has an image that speaks. And what this really reminds me of is having the head and making it talk mm-hmm. like an oracle. Because Odin did that with Mimir, a giant. He he took his head and like used herbs and stuff to resurrect it and you know, dispense wisdom and stuff. And uh or maybe not Mimir, but it was some giant that he... Yeah, I thought that was Thor. No, no, I'm pretty sure it was Odin. But, but at any rate, the the point I'm trying to make is that, the, that there's a process to do that, apparently, which is the definition of a Baphomet, is like a disembodied head that's been reanimated, and then it's a, it, it's like an oracle and dispenses knowledge or prophecy or something like that. So that story about Simon with the head of John the Baptist really does remind me again of that Antichrist story. It wasn't so Simon, though. That's so weird. Pardon? It wasn't Simon that had his head. It was uh, the... Oh, well, whoever had the head, pardon. I was just getting mixed up with the names. But that that motif is, is what I was talking about. Who who had the head? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look it up right now. Okay, but uh, this involved Ireland, though, like the Druids and mm-hmm, such. Mm-hmm. Might connect to that Egyptian princess as well, Tia Tiffy, I think her name was. Uh, Jer- Prophet Jeremiah, I think, is who took her up there to Ireland. His so name, uh, the du- Druid's name was Mog Ruth, M O G. R U I T H. Um, 
And his daughter was my friends uh, call me Talak Mog. Talak, Talak Duga, um, traveling from County Kerry to Middle East to study the magic of Simon Magus and how on the way Mogruth becomes the executioner of John the Baptist. Yikes. That would connect him to the story of who's that lady that ordered the death of John the Baptist? It was a woman, right? Um, it wasn't Bathsheba. Or... Yeah, uh, she had his her husband do it, right? Who was the leader? Was it um, who was the main guy there? It wasn't Herod, right? It was uh, oh, yeah, maybe it was. Was it Herod? Herod Antipas. There's a couple different Herods, but but yeah, I think according to Josephus. After imprisoning him at Macarius because he feared John's influence might enable him to start a rebellion. Yeah, Herod Antipas. Yep. I think that the his wife was the one that put the bounty on him. Uh, okay. Yeah, remember. I think his wife wanted uh, him to do it. It was like her request or something. I know what you're talking about. I mean, yeah, it wouldn't shock me at all. It wouldn't shock me if her name was Hera. <laughs> Herodias is her name. <laughs> oh, that's it? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, Hera, yeah. Uh, so Mog Ruth uh, means slave of the wheel. It's a figure in Irish mythology, a powerful blind druid of Munster who lived on the Valentina Island, County Kerry. He could grow to enormous size and his breath caused storms and turned men to stone. He wore a, a hornless bullhide and a bird mask and flew in a mm. ship called the Roth Ramach, the oared mm. wheel. He had a fiery ox driven chariot with blazing jewels that made light, made night seem as bright as day a star-speckled black shield with a silver rim and a stone which could turn into a poisonous eel when thrown in the water. So this, remember how a lot of them would throw their staffs down to turn them into snakes. Um, yes. The stories of Magruth are set in various periods of Irish history. Some say he lived during the reign of the 3rd century High King Cormac MacArt. Well, others put him in Jerusalem during the time of Christ. In Labor Gabala Eterin, he is said to have died in the reign of Conmail, nearly 2,000 years before Cormac's time, perhaps due to his array of times and settings. Poets attributed the Druid with extraordinary longevity. He lived through the reign of 19 kings, according to one story. His powers and long lifespan have led some to conclude he was a, a humorized sun or storm god. The various medieval legends about his adventures in the Holy Land at the dawn of Christendom paint him as an interesting and mysterious character. 
a defender of paganism and an enemy of the Christ, of Christianity. He is said to be a student of Simon Magus, who taught him his magic skills and helped him build Roth Ramak, which is the flying ship. Roth Ramak mm-hmm. is described as a flying machine with great destructive power. It blinded those who looked at it, deafen, deafens who's, whoever hears it, and kills whoever it strikes. Prophecy attributed to St. Columba describes the ship as laying waste to Europe before the Last Judgment. Another vehicle attributed to him is the chariot. This description leads scholar Aidan M. O'Leary to speculate he may have been a euthumerized sun god. Euthumerized is approach to which the interpretation of mythology in which mythical accounts are presumed to have originated from real historical accounts or personages. Uh, Euthumerism supposes that historical accounts become myths as they are exaggerated in the retelling. So, and at least two other... Yeah, and at least two other poems, Maguru is identified as the executioner who beheaded John the Baptist, bringing a curse to the Irish people. He cuts an equally impressive figure in the siege of Nocklong, set in Cormac MacArthur's time. Here he defeats Cormac's druids in an elaborate magical battle in exchange for land from King Fiachu Mulatan of southern Munster, from whom Cormac had been trying to levy taxes. Magru's daughter was Talakta, a powerful druidess who gave her name to the hill and country Meath, and a festival celebrated there. Talakta, who was raped by Simon Magnus while her father was learning magic, gave birth to three sons, Dorb, Huma, and Muak, the territory Magru's Received for his descendants was Fear, Mage Fene, later known as Fermoy. The medieval tribe of Fermeg Fene claimed descent from him, although they were ruled by unrelated O'Keefe's of Eaglenocht Glendamach. He married the Kalak, and together they lived at the site, what is now. La Basale wedged tomb until in a fit of jealousy after he fell in love with her sister. The hag threw a boulder at the druid, knocking him to the river Function, where he died. Dang. These dark magicians love their flying machines. Uh, yeah, this reminds me of Jack Parsons, and you know he, he's into the super like John D and Edward Kelly, like summoning these entities and oh sex, my God. Ma- sex magic, and then he's responsible for making jet fuel. So he's like the father <laughs> of rocketry. Didn't uh, he you know, steal someone's? Didn't he steal uh, someone's wife from them? The dude was a pimp too. Yeah, there was wife swapping going on with the dark magicians for sure. They're and yes. they were just always like sort of taking advantage of each other. It seems like just very much not the energy you really want uh, to be around. At least I don't. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, but these but... are like the people responsible for our modern day like uh, space program. A lot of um, we, yeah. the goddesses also had flying machines. 
Right. And he was so he was like uh, known for levitating. Right. And I remember one time like seeing this video on this monk and he was talking about like how levitating is is like not an uh, a great thing to aim for because it's it's very much like a show off thing versus like he was in other words saying like it was just interesting i'm correlating this because he was like that's not going to help you ascend or like evolve your spirit or treat other people better it's more of like people looking to do that it's almost like an ego thing of like oh look i can do this like it's a cool trick right mm-hmm. uh, well, so yeah, it's just interesting it's to see trip. that it's an interesting to see that as one of the characteristics he's known for <laughs> uh, just reminded me of that monk it's a 100% power trip uh, to do that because it really is like there's no need to levitate. And I think also it has something to do with the outer uh, firmament, the outer area of space. I think that's what these people are trying to get to or get back to. Maybe the planets, maybe the moon. I, I don't know, but the there's something going on in like the skies that these people are trying to, you know, either get back to or get to or have contact with, I believe. Yeah. It's interesting. You mentioned something about being powered by lightning. I think mm-hmm. I saw that somewhere. Uh, and we do get stories of that. Uh, people say that there's machines out there that fly into the storms almost as if they're recharging. So yeah. I do think there's something to that. And I think this technology exists and has existed. I would just question the the fruit of the spirits behind them responsible for the flying machines. Because again, sure. it seems like there's a lot of dark uh, magic going on behind them, which is just interesting to note. Because I think a levitating could be very useful and helpful. But when, it, again, I think it gets back to what's the intent behind it, right? If your intent is to help others and build up community, then perhaps... Uh, but if it's just to fly around and look cool and take advantage of people, not so great. <laughs> or to like gain power. Cause like imagine just walking down the street and someone just start <laughs> levitating. <laughs> right. like these, these people keep it secret, you know, if they can, unless they Dave have to, I'm sure. I'd be right. like, what the hell? <laughs> um. Yeah. Well, uh, if we're finished with that, I wanted to get into another question. Uh, did you guys have anything else to add to to that, or we good? No, I'm good. That was um, a fun weave, though. Thanks for bringing <clears throat> him up. Yeah, man. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about, well, you brought up the question, actually, of transmutation, uh, and then kind of got into that. <laughs> um so the other thing I wanted to bring up about this chapter, chapter five, is it lists the ages of how long they live. So we got into like whether or not we thought they were actually living that long and whatnot. But this brings up another question of time and when was creation made and when did the flood happen? Because to me, I always think of the flood of, as like 10,000 B.C., uh, the younger, driest time period, but I know biblically a lot of people believe it was around 2400 BC, and I think that people have actually done the math on the genealogy in the Bible to bring it back to that date. Um, so I wanted to know, like, your guys's thoughts on how old Earth is, basically, and when the 
when you think that the flood happened, what time period was that? And um, I have a list here that, uh, and you can either agree or disagree with these, but uh, this is from uh, Answers in Genesis, uh, a Bible tam timeline. Uh, it says creation was 4,004 BC. The flood was 2,348 BC. The Tower of Babel was 2246 BC, which seems only 100 and some 102 years after the flood. They're already building a tower to heaven. Uh, that seems weird to me. Abraham was 1996 BC. Joseph, 1745. BC Moses and the Exodus was 1491. David was 1085. Uh, the monarchy divides in 975 BC. Assyrian destruction of Israel in 722. Babylon captivity of Judah in 586. And Jesus, uh, I'm guessing this is he was born in 4 BC or died in 4 BC. Not sure. Um. But, but what do you guys think of that time period and, and what's your time scale? What do you think? Dan, is that based off of the genealogy? Is that where those numbers were coming from? Um, this, uh, it says the Bible provides a rela reliable history of the universe and the events described in the Bible, particularly in the early chapters of Genesis, providing a framework through which we can interpret science and history. So Yes, I'm guessing it's going through this genealogy that we're talking about here to give the dates of when these things happened. Right. Yeah. So I think that is interesting. And I would almost trust our known history more so based off of genealogy, more so than whatever numbers that they tell us based off of like carbon dating, because mm -hmm. all of that kind of stuff seems to get a little wishy-washy and the numbers seem to change and everything's, you know, it seems like they're pushing it like it's so, so old, right? That's been like, since I was born, it's millions and millions of years old. But it does seem like we have more of this like gene genealogy that's telling us exactly how everything has happened since day one, which I find interesting. Um, so I don't know. I've never it's not never been like a super critical issue for me on like, was it 10,000 years ago or 2000 years ago? But I do think our timeline has been manipulated, meaning the timeline that we've been given in, in the history. Right. Um, so I think it's uh, warrants a conversation for sure. But I think I would lean more on the genealogy side of things if I had to pick. Uh, Joshua, did you have anything to add or Morgan? Well, the... No, actually not on this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, Whoa. I would say, yeah, I would uh, definitely not believe. Well, okay. So you have to ask yourself, you have to ask yourself, like, in the first place, why would they try to lie to you about, well, you got to wonder why we had to start back over at zero and why carbon dating will go backwards at some point. Like, you have to ask yourself these questions first, but then you got to wonder why anybody would try to manipulate the timeline, especially one that you currently live on. That's not that old. You know, it wasn't manipulated that long ago. So there's a specific reason as to why um like you know something as simple as that 
you know, what, what day of the week we're actually on and what year we're actually in is not real or, you know, being like, like we're being lied to. So, um, which opens up the question for so many other conspiracies that I just don't think that that's the most, and I think the more, um, knowledge we get comes from actual, um, uh, text like I use the Bible as a text for everything because like as a reference source because uh it can't be added to and it you know it, it it's just a beautiful piece of um alchemical living text so I would probably lean towards more of the genealogy side but I will also add that it's extremely layered so there is probably a lot of different elements in different chapters of different books that correlate to this, like the times 10 or times 70 or times 77 or like what have you that will add years or something onto that probably. Right. And just to add on to something else you were mentioned, Dan, like could they have developed that quickly, right? Is that kind of what you were saying? Um Based off of like the Tower of Babel not being that far after the creation story. Yeah, the flood happened uh, in 2348. Then the Tower of Babel happened 2246. So 102 years. Hell yeah. I keep building up too. (laughs) They did it it because of the flood. I'd be building up. (laughs) Well, (laughs) you think about about the flood happening and there was only Noah and his family. So within 102 years, they are able to produce enough city people to have a whole city. But how long is 102 years? You well, don't really. That's know. what I'm saying. Well, the 102 you don't even years know what day we're on by 102 years, like it says right here, because basically it's saying creation is only 7,000 years old based on what we know as a year right now. Yeah, I would probably question the dates of like uh, how long it was between the flood and ba- and the Tower of Babel. Um, I think that's a good question and probably hard to nail exactly on. So I don't know how they were getting those numbers. Maybe it is through genealogy in the Bible. That would be something interesting to dive into. What I will say, though, is that because they were living so long, you got to imagine that they probably had a lot of wisdom, a lot of knowledge on how to do things. Uh, think about how fast we've developed in the last hundred years, right? Um, so if you had lived for like five hundred years or, or longer, you know, you probably had gained some some tricks. You know what I mean? Maybe if you had a Shamir worm doing it for you. <laughs> well, their bridge to knowledge was Noah. So if you think about noetic archaeology, like by sound sound movement, maybe vibrations, um, different ways of building things as well because of things that they knew that we didn't um right uh so for me this is one of the hardest things for me to accept out of the bible is the seven thousand year timeline that that humans have only been around for around seven thousand years uh actually it's saying four thousand four bc to now so that's only six thousand years um, that's kind of the hardest for me to understand. Uh, it seems like we probably would have, based on the knowledge that we have, we 
would have been around a lot longer. And I don't think time is linear. I think it's cyclical. So it seems like a lot of these things would have happened over and over again. Um, and I don't necessarily think that's just the hardest thing for me to grasp. Now, I understand that carbon dating, the way scientists date everything is probably uh, doesn't work out very well. Uh, but it's just conceptually like only 7,000 years ago that humans were created uh, because of yeah. like all the different varieties of humans that we have been able to find in the scientific record of Homo habilis and uh, Gigantopithecus and all these other different ones. And uh, I just find it hard to believe that it's only been that long. I personally, how I see it, I would think that humans have been around for probably uh, around 250 to 500,000 years. And what is that based off of? Why is it so hard to imagine it only being a shorter time instead of a longer time? One of the reasons I think that they are pushing the longer narrative is because if you are to have this sort of uh, evolution, right? You kind of need that, oh. that gap because we don't because we don't see it happening in front of our eyes, right? So that's a great way to make people think and uh, believe in evolution. Oh, it's shit. like you, oh, it took a long time. That's why we don't notice it. So I don't uh, necessarily believe in in evolution in the the, the Oh, right. Guy, Not saying you that? do. No, who's saying that dude? Darwin. That's, Darwin. Yeah. I don't necessarily believe in Darwinian evolution. Uh, I do believe in in hybridization and uh, and and um and, and people. And that doesn't take long. that way. I I think that evolution and uh, creation could both be true. Uh, so, like I was talking about before, uh, I think last episode where. There was already people on the earth. God had created humans, but then he created Adam and Eve, which was supposed to be the perfected idea of a human, uh, which is why they were placed in the garden. So I think there was already people wandering around. Uh, that's why Cain was able to find a wife. Uh, how would he have found a wife if there was no other people? Um, so I, I think people had already been in existence before that, but the new creation, the second creation of this Adam and Eve, this perfected human person, maybe goes only back to 7,000 BC, and that's where they're tracing this lineage from. But I think humans and different types of humans have gone back way before that time. So maybe this is the time of cognizance or consciousness reality. Uh, that we have existed in, but for life completely on Earth, I think it's it's been a lot longer than that. Interesting. Yeah. I, again, I don't think it for me. It's not like a huge issue. That's why it almost is funny to me that that's like one of the hardest things for you to uh, conceptualize on it. Because for me, it's yeah. Like, whether it was a thousand years or 10,000 years ago, again, it gets to why are we asking the question, right? Which I'm glad you brought that up, Morgan. And so like, there if they is. did want to, if they did want to manipulate the timeline one way or another, which one kind of helps fit their narrative that they're trying to push is kind of how I look at uh, it and why right. I lean more on the genealogy side. Well, I, well it's I like could... flat earth, earth's 
spherical earth, it's who cares? It opened up an entire uh, topic of, you know, conversation, which opens up more topics, which has allowed us to sit here and have this current conversation right now. You know, I would say the same though to, to, you know, Matt and, um, and, and that being like, uh, maybe that's just what they want you to believe. Maybe that's what the people that wrote the Bible want you to believe so they could keep you in fear because we're, we're babies and we don't have anything. So we have to listen to some higher authority. Right. Yeah. You could totally flip it either way for sure. Yeah. Most so, humans do. I, I'm just saying very... like 7,000 years, granted it's somewhat long. Uh, but for all of these things to happen, a creation and a flood and the Tower of Babel and this lineage, it seems like uh, the to produce the uh, amount of people for um, the civilizations to have existed in 3000 BC would have had to be enormous. I, I, I granted, like people are fucking like rapids because that's the first thing that they're instructed okay. to do. But but still, like, uh, that's why it, it's just hard to. Uh, it's like when you tell people the Earth is fifty-eight billion years old, they're like, "What? No way!" Right? I mean, it's the same. It's the same type of thing. It's just like, "What? That's too long," or "Oh, that's too too short." No, yeah, I would. I would definitely. It's a, it's a good question to ask because it's literally what we're ingrained to think, but. If you think about it, like what day are we even on? Like, you know, when it goes, because everything in this book is also cyclical, like, you know, it folds into each other as well, you know, and everything starts with those first 12 lines right there. And no way did he say that day two was good. Like, I'm still stuck on that. I don't know if you guys even, like, care. Like, once the firmament was made, he never said it was good. <laughs> but he said it was good after. So I think the point being, at least how I interpret it, is that it, all the parts were not put together yet. So it wasn't that the firmament wasn't good. It was just that it wasn't There's, put in its yeah. right place yet. Like, it, it, all the parts hadn't come together yet. Uh, so because, because then he does say... Once everything is put together, he does say it's all good, right? Like it is good. good. So you could interpret that. It's all good. There's only three legs on the table at that point. You know, you needed to add the fourth leg for it to be good. I got got three-legged tables and I love them. What are you talking about? (laughs) Rectangle tables? No, it's... Diamond ace? It's like, it's got rounded edges and it's only three legs. (laughs) I just don't like hard edges. So maybe we're still being worked out, like in the front, in the, you know, where we are in the garden, just animated or like tripping out on the fruit we ate. Like, oh shit, thank God we, that didn't really happen. We didn't really live that life. You know what I mean? Like, who knows? That's why I asked about their ages also, because that, that age of how they are also plays a part in figuring out how how long this is. So 
if they didn't actually live that long, would it be even shorter? I don't know, because haven't you noticed that once they beget children, they start living way longer? <laughs> it's like it be a pro, being a progenerator progenerates their lifespan, too. <laughs> right. Well, like what you're saying, Morgan, with time, like, how do we even know what time is? What time is it now? Like, how do we even know this is Friday or whatever? Well, we we honestly, we don't know. So how did they know? Maybe they didn't. Maybe they had a different way of measuring time. We don't know. But we take it as factual as the time that we're in now. So we measure it by the year that we have. But maybe that's not how it was measured. So we're coming up with math that doesn't, uh, that accumulates to 6,000 years. But that math is incorrect because we don't have a concept of what time actually is. I do imagine that the day uh, and night, you know, the moon and the sun has always been a factor for essentially counting days. Uh, and I think the Hebrews have been pretty good about translating that. But that's not to be said that perhaps the spin rate could have changed or, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I think we've always rate. kind of measured. Yeah, I think we've always kind of measured it the same, but perhaps the spin rate could be changing. But it does seem like they were, you know, they were living so long and having so many children. That's kind of how I see it. So when you have all these people living mm. really long lives and having a lot of children throughout the time, it's easy to sort of multiply and get a lot done in a short amount of time. Um, that's how I well, see they it. They were allowed to marry their, uh, they were actually like allowed to be incest because the laws of Moses haven't come yet, you know, like. So sisters, like, you know, niece would marry nephew, or yeah, niece would marry net cousins would marry. Like, that's how they were able to progenerate so quickly as well. Yeah, perhaps I don't know if it ever like mentions that specifically. Maybe it does in other traditions, but it does mention that um, even here in the first verse in Genesis five. This is an account of the birth of Adam in the day of God's preparing man in the likeness of God. He hath made him a male and a female. He hath prepared them and he blessed them and calleth their name man. So really, I don't know. It's just to me, it seems like this could also be just like this creation story of man, right? Like essentially it maybe isn't the two specific people or these are the specific people reference. Maybe the first of a bunch of people that were created. Uh, I think there is potential for that theory in, you know, it, it's not explicitly said, but essentially the fact that there were other people, because like we see, they were having children with other people that aren't mentioned. So perhaps it was a sister or perhaps it was just part of the it man was. that was created, right? Uh, they weren't family related, but they were the same species. Oh, there what is a part of that, theory? that I read later. Uh, I was reading some other parts of the Bible and it did have. It did mention that they were sleeping with their aunts and uh, sisters and brothers and whatnot. There That's was how the some incestual stuff here. going on. Right. That has happened in the Bible. But uh, was that in, are you saying in Genesis? That, yeah, this because mm -hmm. this was even before Moses. So this yeah. is why it, I'm just talking about through these 10 patriarchs and then the next 10 until Moses gets here. Uh, they are, yeah, they're swapping family members out at this point.
Mm, well, I'll have to find those verses. I know there's instances I mean, where it's like there's no other choice and they get their father drunk to survive uh, mm-hmm. their lineage. Like there's things like that, but I don't yeah. see it in the early Genesis story of like, you know, this is how it should be. This isn't part of the perfect design. They didn't say if that. that makes sense. But yeah. I mean, that's how, I mean, it, what, what is said is like uh, they had a, like their pristine gene pool, like, or that's what they called it, or like that's what it was called. Uh, their bloodline. That's that's why it stayed so pure throughout that time period because they didn't have the Ten Commandments yet, and they just were fruitful and multiplied. You know, like they were told to do. So, I mean, to them back then, that wasn't really um, a thing. I don't think. And I think that's another reason why it's mimicked and mocked today and why people try to do those, the, you know, intermarrying stuff today to keep their bloodline pure or what have you, because I mean, that's kind of who's known for doing that. The the lizard people, (laughs) that's what they always say, right? Like the the, elites, right? the royal family, the elites, right? They're always concerned with keeping the the royal blood. And so where does that trace back to? Uh, you know, we get stories of Vlad the Impaler, you know, just these stories of like, uh, perhaps there was a bloodline that was concerned with doing things that way. I don't know if that was necessarily the way God intended it, though, is my point. Not, not to be, that, uh, uh, usually the Adam bloodline's kind of concerned with the, the Adam uh, lineage. It is because Adam means blood. Does it? Yeah. It, it's... Well, they would have come from Adam, but um, it could have been like, you know, where do, well, I guess, where do we get the serpent seed? It's kind of what it gets well, back there's to, right? That's two, what I was wondering. So, because mm-hmm. there's two different sets of patriarchs. So, the, the, once it goes from Adam to Seth, because Seth was chosen. You know, um, then it goes to, uh, so then Noah becomes like the bridge of like what have you, but it goes Noah, Shem, Arpashad, Salas, Eber, Peleg, Ru, Serug, Naor, Tara, Abraham. And then you get concerned with the bloodline of Abraham because that's where Jesus comes from. So, there's two different bloodlines, Abraham and Adam. No, so they're not, are you saying they're not from the same bloodline? Or what do you mean by that? I don't think that Adam and Abraham are, no. I could be wrong about that. Well, um, well Abraham would be uh, very of mixed blood. Um, because Noah took his wife that was Cain's wife, right? Right. Uh, well, it all gets back to, are we, th- are we saying that Adam and Eve are the only source or there were other people, right? Involved because otherwise no. everyone goes back to Adam. <laughs> I, I'm talking about Genesis chapter five. Yeah. The genealogy and why, like. It's important to know and then how like and then the 
basically um, like the patriarchs and how they were established. Yeah, to me, the bloodline is important because they're, they're saving that bloodline because it comes from God. They they think it's important important enough to always be written down and important enough to reveal to us at the very beginning of Genesis. There's probably a Cain bloodline and a Seth bloodline, a Seth bloodline. And those are the two different bloodlines. And so maybe you could say that maybe some of the elites are coming from the Cain bloodline, but also there's a preservation. Well, then of, there's three of the of the Seth bloodline. Yeah, the whole bloodline conversation is very interesting for sure. Um, and I'm, it's only because Adam means blood, literally. Um, it's like another name for it. I never heard that, but. Uh, well, you can look it up. Yeah, perhaps I will just look it up. <laughs> Y'all go right ahead. I thought it. I thought it was from the Hebrew word Adama, which means soil or ground. There you go. It does. It means red. It's there's a net. So like after this happened, there's a natural uh, word for Adam, and then there's a spiritual word for Adam, and it's it translates to red dirt. But then everybody, you know, gains a spiritual name after that, and. Um, let's see, I got a couple of them. So Adam, uh, because he came from that clay, iron, dirt, he got blood. So he became a man. Um, Seth means appointed. Enosh means mortal. Um, Canaan means sorrow. Mahalahel, Mahalahel means the blessed God. Jared means shall come down. Enoch means teaching. Methuselah means his death shall bring. Lamech means the despairing. And Noah means comfort or rest. Respite, right? I think of sound, but, you know, I'm weird. Um, Yeah, that's all good stuff. Um, what I wanted to bring up was um, also, yes, um, last episode, we talked about the Cain bloodline. And then in chapter five, we're talking about Seth bloodline. And there is some interesting connections with the names, uh, El and then Methuselah. And then there's also an Enoch on both sides. And so my thought was, what if there is no Seth? There is only Cain, and um, Cain killed his brother, and then he asked for, uh, what's it, uh, like, redemption, retribution, whatever, however you have it, and then he became good. And then so... Like Hercules? Maybe this is like a, maybe this is like a shadow self and light self of the same person. And that's why a lot of the names are very similar. It's just a mere flip of a, of a, you know, shadow self and light self. 
So what's the flip of Jared? Complicated. And then it's just and Methuselah had Jared or whatever it is. Jared. Yeah. I know. Um because Enos is similar to Enoch also, but mostly I'm That's referring to Mahalalil and uh uh Methuselah Methuselah. Uh actually this is in chapter five. Uh, so go go back to chapter four and look at the names in chapter four. Yeah, personally, I think that there was just a lot of the same names that were used and carried down uh, and just uh, uh, sort of slight variations of the names. We still do that today, right? We'll like name our kids after our parents or grandparents or after their middle name or it'll, we'll use a slight name that's somewhat similar. So that's kind of what I think was going on. and But we do tend to see these sort of uh, doppelgangers in reality, right? Or like, you know, Bizarro Superman. It's like, it's yeah. like, looks like him, but it's like totally different. We do seem to see that sort of characteristic in life, which I find interesting. Or like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Well, I bring that up also because a lot of people, um, I've heard a theory too that Jesus had a brother and he was the one that was actually sacrificed and jesus lived uh i think there's a, a, another story where there was like a barnabas who was a prisoner and they sacrificed him for jesus instead of sacrificing jesus uh so, right, there's, so there's several different stories like that and it goes into that twin mythology of a higher self and a lower self and so that's what I was kind of bringing to this is maybe Cain and Seth, maybe Cain is the lower self and Seth is the higher self and they're actually the same. And that's why some of their lineage seems to be uh, kind of a match. Yeah, I but think I it could was be wrong. Barabbas, I, I'm probably uh, in wrong, but I'm just bringing that to the, to the table. No, it's a, yeah, it's a good, it's a really good point to make because some people even say that uh in a lot of different you know cults and mystic cults and a bunch of different uh things that people still follow today say that the same that christ is the demiurge that it's the same god that you're you know like they're the same that you know on both yeah. sides of the coin so it's a good point that you did bring that up um, yeah to me it's like the that's what some people do self. think and that's how it's been brought to like common um like consciousness is in the form of light and dark self but um i do have in my notes that um <laughs> enosh which means mortal is seth's son so Seth did have a, Enosh was Seth's son. Um, and that came from the Torah, I think. Mm -hmm. That's in here, in chapter five. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't have anything else to add about any of that um i think i i covered everything that i wanted to talk about 
Uh, Joshua, did you have anything else to say, or did you want to get into uh, St. Patrick real quick um, before we jump out of here? Um, I think the genealogies are important in some ways because of the fact that there's probably a lot of codes hidden in there. Like, mm-hmm. for instance, each of the names meant something different, and it kind of told a story in of itself. So I'd say there's a lot there to unpack. But... Um, but yeah, I would like to kind of uh, talk about the uh, St. Patrick stuff. I keep uh, going in and out of, I, I keep falling asleep. So <laughs> <laughs> sometimes when you guys ask me a question, I'm like, not really sure what we're talking about. So yeah, sorry. Very right, good. Um, yeah, it's like there for you. <laughs> we hadn't reached out to you at all what was that oh morgan's gonna all right, go. all right. Yeah, go. then morgan i did want to add yeah i did want to add that enosh was the first to invoke the name of yahweh and that's in genesis 4 26 like interesting yeah so praise god being E N O S E well in the Torah it's spelled E N O S H I think okay I wonder is that Enos as we see it here yeah it's E-N-O-S? the same one yeah okay Got it. see even that is- I thought Moses was okay. the first one to talk about Yahweh according to Genesis four twenty six. Enosh was the first one to acknowledge the name of the Lord yeah. or to, acknowledge to invoke, the name of Yahweh. invoke the name of Yahweh. Okay. Was it Yahweh or Jehovah? No, it specifically said Yahweh. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So what it says in Genesis 4, 26 in the young literal translation is, and to Seth to him also a son hath been born, and he calleth his name Enos. Then a beginning was made of preaching in the name of Jehovah. So, yeah, that would be interesting to dive into to see what um, specific terms are being used there. Because normally God is used as, uh, I think, Elohim in mine. And then perhaps yeah. Jehovah and Yahweh are interchangeable uh, from this translation to the Torah. Well, another point to make is that he sometimes reveals himself by different names to each of the patriarchs. Like he goes by a certain name when he's dealing with Jacob. He goes by a different name when he's dealing with Abraham, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So for whatever reason, um, you know, sometimes that's the case. Which, is, which again makes me wonder, like, were these other entities uh, that were just being described as Lord because of the certain territory that was being, that they were encountering? Oh, well, you know? I guess there's that <laughs> possibility. But I think what it is as well is that, uh, um, like, he does something, for instance, like if he's merciful and spares Noah. Well, then maybe when he reveals himself to Noah, he uses a name that means mercy or something. You know what I different, mean? Like, it's a different part of the fruit, of the same yeah. fruit. Yeah, I get what you're saying. An aspect of his personality. Right. 
So yeah, it does say uh, Enosh, E-N-O-S-H. Um, and this man was the first to invoke the name of Yahweh. So that would be essentially the tetragrammaton, Y-H-W-H. Yeah. Which really, the way... Which we- if you want to get into Enoch... <laughs> That's a whole different, like, five hours we could do. Like, that's, it's nuts. Yeah, we probably should do a breakdown on Enoch. The, uh, uh, typically there are no vowels in uh, Hebrew. So I think that's where some of the variations come from, too, is that we're just trying to fill in the vowels between the consonants, Mm. which I think is an interesting thing because when you get married, you give vowels and uh i kind of think that because the marriage aspect that is a lot of times present with yahweh um it's like we're filling in our vowels (laughs) and it's that i don't know how to we are because you're you're saying yeah what you say comes back to you in this lifetime even you know like you do fulfill your vowels because literally the power of speech and like what you say will come back to you it's just how it works well if if yahweh is the vowels uh because they only those were the uh higher letters uh because they only use consonants and then the vowels as a vowel so then when you're married you're married with god so then you get to put those vowels in because now you have <laughs> right because l l in hebrew is translated to god so vow to l right that's kind of like mm-hmm. vowel oh good catch no man yeah okay good night you guys good night, night morgan peace Bye, man. um yeah let's get into saint patrick real quick joshua what you got Fell asleep. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> like that green beer kicking in. Oh, I'm sorry. What was you? What did I didn't hear you ask me? Oh, uh, let's get into uh, St. Patrick real quick. Yes, you sir. said you wanted to bring it's it rumored that he chased the snakes off the island, but I think it might be kind of like a a subtle reference to the um, maybe the serpent seed, you know, running the ruling class out of Ireland or something like that, maybe. So I was just, yeah, yeah. I really like to get this for a minute. Me and Roman uh, did a chat GPT and we're talking to uh, St. Patrick on chat GPT. And we wanted it to answer as St. Patrick. And so we went through a whole bunch of different questions. I can't remember. That's really but, interesting. <laughs> but one of the things that it did say was that um, the Druids had uh, like holy whales and holy buildings in ireland and saint patrick would go to those and then just christen them in the name of god and bless them and then they became sacred sites uh for um whatever you want christianity catholicism whatever it was uh they would become sacred sites under that god now instead of the Druidic gods so 
Yeah, I think it was a spiritual thing, in my opinion. Uh, you know, he he used a bell, right, uh, to sort of ward off the spirits. That's another part of the legend. Oh, and and you know, what better way of sort of he also uh, fasted for like forty days, right? And so he was a. I think he was able to see sort of the spiritual realm after doing that, and then use the bells to probably like ward off these entities. And having seen that, I have encountered these entities, these serpent entities. I think they do exist, and so we haven't seen any evidence of physical snakes ever being on Ireland. And so I do think that the story, there is truth to it, but I think it was more on the spiritual side of things. A lot of people try to say that it was like a genocide. I haven't found a ton of evidence for that. Um, maybe it was, but I think he was actually literally warding off entities uh, that were probably being summoned by the people was, of Ireland. It was spiritual genocide. He converted everybody somehow Uh which is interesting because he seemingly was by himself or maybe with only a few other um, saints or priests or whatever you want to call it. So uh, it, it doesn't seem like he was able, he would have been able to defend himself in a fighting type of way. So it seems like he just went there and just started blessing everything and, and getting people to follow with him, which right. not doesn't necessarily mean he chased the snakes out or there was a genocide. It just means, uh, I think that he was able to convert them into the new religion rather than keep it. Uh, because there is a, a, a Celtic, goddess named Brittany. Uh, her, her name was something similar, but she ended up becoming um, sanctified because the people didn't want to give her up. So they just made her a saint. Uh, so she's not even has, she doesn't even have anything to do with Catholicism or Christianity. She was actually a, a pagan goddess. And so he just, blessed her and made her a saint and then uh people followed after that because uh they they love their goddess so much hmm. that's an interesting story have you guys heard the story of uh saint patrick and driving out the serpent goddess cora hmm. yeah yeah i'm not familiar with this either you mind if i just read this quick story mm -hmm. yeah this might actually be where that where where I'm thinking of comes from, perhaps. So Cora, the great serpent goddess of Ireland and Scotland, whose name is almost forgotten today, called forth the serpents of life, death, and rebirth to twine the magic of eternity around the lives of our ancestors. The story goes that St. Patrick kills her and drives the snakes from Ireland. Since there were no snakes in Ireland, the story is most certainly mythopoetic, one which illustrates how Christianity drove out old religion, the Druids, and the worship of Cora. In the story, St. Patrick chases Cora all across Ireland to the final battle of Lofderg. When Cora faced down St. Patrick at Lofderg, she swallowed him whole. As Mercia Eleda noted in Rites and Symbols of Initiation, being swallowed by the snake can be seen as return to the womb and a complete regeneration of the initiate through its gestation and birth by the Great Mother. But St. Patrick was not an initiate seeking rebirth through the mother's womb. 
No, he was intent on stamping out the influence of the serpent goddess and her promise of regeneration and unity, concepts directly opposed by the new Christian church's doctrine of duality, sin, and salvation through Christ. St. Patrick passed two days and two nights within Cora's body, eventually cutting his way out and killing her in the process. So this is just one story that I found, you know, online, but it is an interesting story. And I do think it, if you were to fast 40 days, you know, I think you would be able to tap into this other spiritual realm. And perhaps he was having this sort of astral uh, experience, right? And it was documented and put into lore. So that's just kind of a fun story that I found last year when doing some research that I thought was relevant. Uh, would you guys have any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, when we were talking to Chat GPT, it brought this, it brought up uh, this story too. Um, and then uh, we, we asked it from the position of Merlin also. And then so basically it was kind of just saying that both were actually myth and not actually based on any actual evidence. There's some papers of St. Patrick um, that was supposed to be like a diary or a dialogue, but uh, there's no proof that he actually wrote them. Uh, they could have been written by anybody. Uh, so basically they're saying that uh, chat, well, chat GPT was saying that the story of St. Patrick could have been a mythologicalized version of Christianity coming to Ireland and not necessarily St. Patrick himself. Yeah, so I I don't know. I tend to think that he probably did exist. And yeah, you could probably argue it both ways. But I th I do think it's interesting that the stories we get are of him like going around and blessing things you know it seemed like he was it was less about like crusading and stuff but trying to just show like goodness and I, I don't know he gets a bad rep so i like to just look at things with a with a fine comb and try to gather you know what i can from him i had also had this prayer of saint patrick which i thought was interesting but um again it's a lot of just like positivities and like protection um so yeah I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think St. Patrick was a good guy or a bad guy or didn't exist at all if you had to choose? I think he's he probably did exist. Um, now he's not in the Bible. So, you know, I wouldn't. This like, would have been a lot after that, right? Yeah, yeah, obviously. So, I mean, I like don't crusade about it. <laughs> but I think he's kind of like a part of Christian mythology, if you will. Like he, the non-canonical legends and myths that seem to pervade uh through christianity so he could fall into that category because after all the, the catholic church um did kind of mythologicalize i don't even know if that's the <laughs> proper word mythologize rather uh some of these characters i think to be larger than life or you know their their various um miracles or whatever if you read in the prologue right. of orid uh, there's like a saint for every single day and so on and so forth so i think sometimes they were kind of you know um meant to illustrate like things so they might have used a little bit of hyperbole at times to 
like add emphasis to aspects of their personality or something like that. So yeah, I'm sure there's a little bit of fluff in the story probably. Um, but I do think he probably did exist. Uh, now, as far as the snake thing's concerned, like, again, I, I wonder if maybe at the time, uh, I mean, after all, look at all the censorship that we have to put up with right now, you know, so perhaps uh, this is like a euphemism, you know, I, I wonder if maybe he, they chased out the ruling class or the blue bloods or you know, maybe the seed of Cain or so. I don't know. I was just curious about that too. You know, if, if maybe it was like, uh, kind of like when it describes how, when the kingdom of God will fill the earth and the principalities will basically be pushed into the sea and so on and so forth. So I kind of have that kind of imagery in my mind, like that is going to kind of mimic what the story of St. Patrick was in Ireland, except we'll see that on the whole earth. Now, I don't know if that'll just mean like literally the snakes get chased into the sea, but, um, you know, like the ruling classes will lose their authority. The bounds of the kingdom of God will extend into the seas, you know, like there won't be any home for them. They won't have any more dominion or authority. So whether it's actual snakes or if it's like the archonic rulers, um, I think there's just an element there that's that's perhaps not well understood, uh, but but was there because it's like, well, we can't criticize them openly. Um, we have to kind of do it subtly by you know, referring to them as snakes or whatever. Yeah, I think uh, he had a process and I, I think I found some document on it last year. I'll have to try to dig it up again. But it was like he had this process for getting rid of the serpent entities and it was it involved like fasting uh, and like praying and things like that. And so I kind of think that there was something to it again. Like I think there are these serpentine beings, maybe some are good, some are bad, but it seemed like they were worshiping them and they had a control on the culture. And I think he figured out a way of sort of uh, cleansing uh, those entities if they were being parasitic you know that's perhaps perhaps why he was revered uh, and celebrated still to this day because if there was this parasitic grasp on society and it was removed that would have been uh helpable right that would have been felt and we're perhaps still um, seeing the effects of that and if there are these serpent archon energies that are being parasitic to people what a better way of hiding that knowledge than not only demonizing St. Patrick, but also uh, commer commercializing the celebration of that, right? So like oh, yeah. turning it into idolizing him and then also making it about like, you know, drinking and just partying and things like that instead of like fasting and praying, which was exactly. what his whole thing was, right? And uh, another thing, um, that picture there with Moses and the, and the brazen serpent, that looks a lot like the World Health Organization symbol, by the way. But <clears throat> when they were in the desert, I seem to recall that there were a lot of serpents that were winged that were being sent after the people and plaguing them and such. And were they that, winged or fiery? I think both, actually. Okay. Um, and so they were being stung or poisoned or something. <laughs> by these uh these serpent creatures and that uh raising this the brazen serpent up on the pole was the way to cure them or save them so i almost 
see a parallel there too. I'm glad you had that picture there. I see a little bit of a parallel there too with the way Moses was handling that. Uh, maybe St. Patrick, you know, uh, was doing something similar. Um, so that was just a, a thought that I wanted to clue. Oh, and uh, during an eclipse, there are what they call shadow bands that occur just before and just after an eclipse. And those look like snakes uh, rippling across the um, ground. You can see it with uh, solid colors, more especially. Um, it's kind of easy to miss, though, because most people are looking at the eclipse and not the ground. So most people would probably miss the shadow bands themselves. But anyway, I think that's an interesting thing to, to mention. Yeah, it's interesting that we also call that in the in the world in the censorship world right when someone's shadow banned they're like uh, secret <laughs> secretly <laughs> hidden yeah. that's funny <laughs> those darn ai serpents what do you think dan i gotta get out of here soon but this has been a super fun chat yeah me too um yeah i mean um i i, I think uh saint patrick is kind of uh mythologized to just represent the church patriarchy taking over uh, the matriarchy in Ireland, uh, because they did worship a goddess. Uh, that's why they sanctified her in the first place. And so it's talking about bringing the patriarchy to Ireland and chasing out the serpents, which was the female energy. And there's a, in the, in the Kundalini aspects, there's the Ida and the Pingala there. So there is like a female serpent. And a male one. So you could almost look at Patrick as like the male version and hers, maybe the female version uh, in a way too, um, just from like the Hindu uh, perspective, perhaps. Yeah. So do you think that, do you think that the, uh, the serpent entities that were around or do you even think they were entities or do you just literally think there was a matriarch uh of like female leaders that liked serpents or what how, how are you looking at that um uh well even through eve right uh the context context of her being seduced by the serpent um i think uh in christianity and catholicism they have this uh, attribution towards women as being close to serpent energy uh, because of the relationship of the serpent in the garden and Eve being seduced by that. And so they look at females as being seduced by the serpent and of being of evil, which is why there's a patriarchy and uh, it's not a patriarchy and uh, matriarchy together anymore. Because uh, I think in a lot of aspects there the king and the queen were both highly ranked in in pagan belief systems they were equals they weren't um they weren't it wasn't one was above the other they both ruled together uh you see that a lot too in egypt even um so i i, I think like they just associated with this female aspect um serpent energy and so by getting rid of the goddesses, uh, which were pretty high on the pagan uh, worship list, uh, they they were able to chase the snakes out. Uh, it was kind of the same with 
the Templars and how the Templars worshipped uh, uh, Mary, I believe, or a female deity. Um, I mean, tried with Dan, so you could even say it was Daniel or Isis or Ishtar or whatever, when you want to call it. Uh, they they killed um, the Templars purposely on Friday the 13th because Friday is Friday, which is the goddess. And then the 13th is the letter M, which is uh, mother, matriarchy, uh, mater, all those different things. And they purposely did that to send out a symbol not to worship any female deities. And so I think that's, it's just more the same thing. They didn't, you know, they didn't want them to worship females. They wanted to worship males. Right. So do you think that, I mean, for me, it's less important on like, is it a male or female deity, but like the fruit of that deity? And you don't so think I, it's important? You know, I think it's highly no, important no, because look at the patriarchy that it's become and uh, this oppression of women in society uh, because they're not good enough or able to even fucking talk to God. That's to me, that's baloney, man. But that's not yeah. really that's true though, either because Mary was uh, a priestess in Yahweh's temple and she bore Christ. So I hear that a lot about how Christianity puts women down, but quite the contrary, I think in some cases. Um, yeah. It's not the, women that it's putting down. It's goddess worship, perhaps, if anything. I mean, but that can be conflated kind of easily. I, mean, I just wanted to make that about Mary, though. Yeah, I think it also has to do with sexuality and seduction and uh, men not being tempted by women. Um, uh, that's kind of what I agree with. <laughs> that's why they, they, they make, in, you know, in the Arab countries, they make the women wear the jihad, jihad whatever it's called the hijab the hijab yeah uh because they don't want to be uh seduced by their gate by their by the way they look so they put that well on, uh, so that, that tradition so also comes from the fallen angels taking uh human wives and um the keeper or the 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 little cap that the Jewish men wear on their head as well, the yarmulke, I think sometimes they call it that. That's to uh, guard your crown. So not just do the women wear headscarves, but the men also cover up their crown. And uh, I think yeah. that kind of a reference to that sort of thing as well. I heard like that. Not is... just women, but men have to worry about it too, apparently, because there's even a story with a lot about how when the angels came to talk to Lot, the men of the town wanted to sleep with the angels. And he even tried to offer up his own daughters to them and they didn't have, they didn't want that. That was too, that was too uh, boring <laughs> for them. They needed spice, right? Yeah. Or something, I don't know. Animals but, uh, like the yes, exactly. Oh, and this might relate back this, thing on the screen by the way this could even relate back to simon magnus because it did mention how he had formed his own gnostic sect and this of course this is very much oh, gnostic. Mm -hmm. yeah. so there could be a possible <clears throat> connection there as well 
But yeah, yeah real so, quick, just to re- reiterate, Dan, what I was saying, I don't think it's important so much to look at like, uh, is this character a man or a female, but more so on like, what is the fruit that they're bearing? Like, what what are the actions, the energy that they're putting out? So again, I'm not like I'm saying that we shouldn't have these patriarchs or monarchs, or, uh, you know what I mean? Like, I think it should just be everybody working together. Hmm. And like Christianity it does get that bad rep, but like even Jesus, the first people he sent out to to go tell the good news were females. And yet the Bible people try to say that the Bible says that females shouldn't be telling people about Jesus. And it's like, what? <laughs> that was like females, the first thing he did when he was resurrected. Yeah, you know, do you think females should be able to lead mass? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't again, I don't have a strong opinion on if females shouldn't be able to do or do anything. Like that's not up for me to decide, in my opinion. Well, I would push back on that just a little bit because there yeah, there was no female disciples, even though Mary Magdalene is sometimes rumored as being a thirteenth disciple. I think that they there were still a lot of strong women like Ruth and Judith and even Mary, but um so I don't necessarily have any problem with them doing God's work, so to speak, but uh, that particular role though, um, as priest, it, it talks about that in Exodus, how the firstlings of the flock, the males from each matrix, it actually uses that word matrix, which I think is referring to the hymen or the, the, the vagina, vagina, um, so the first male that comes from that would be uh, the Lord's, it says. So I think this is where the we kind of see that uh, age-old thing about the birthright and Cain and Abel, perhaps even as a reference to this, or Jacob and Esau, where the firstborn gets that particular blessing because God said, well, you know, this one's mine, you know, but that's never said about women. It's just the male. So I think that that specific duty of preaching um, and stuff, uh, because also the women are involved in apostolic succession, which is the transferring of this Holy Spirit thing. So, I I mean, I like I would like to say, yes, I agree. (laughs) But but actually, I don't. (laughs) So I'm not trying to be contrary. But at the same time, I, I wouldn't be able to provide evidence for it. So, so Joshua, how do you take it then when Jesus, what, what he, because that was like the first thing he did, right? When he was uh, resurrected, as he told, was it Mary? Yeah, they uh, were to the go and tell people about, about what had happened. Right. Or Mary and yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> so yeah. So how that, do you yeah, take that? But that's, but that's, um, I mean, sharing the good news. Yeah. But. Um, well, that's what it is, isn't it? Isn't that the whole point? Well, maybe, maybe not. I mean, there's there's differences too, like between apostles and disciples and uh, teachers. I mean, there's gifts of the spirit, so to speak. Um, that maybe, I mean, that's actually a good topic to dissect. So I'll, I'll research on it. But I just think that there's something about the mantle of leadership, in a sense, that um, it even goes back to like Adam and Eve, you know, like Eve was made to be subservient to Adam. I mean, she wasn't his equal. And uh, so I don't know. I mean, I, I'll get when I'm not like half zonked. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'll uh, try to do the topic some justice and come but, back. But I just wanted to be the contrarian there and push back a little. But no, that's uh, 
fits into what I'm saying, though, because that's why they got rid of the goddesses in the first place, is because of this aspect of them relating to the serpent, just like Eve being seduced by the serpent, just like you were talking about the fallen angels, or the the reason why they covered them with a hijab is because of the fallen angels. So it has all that serpent motif right there and all of that uh, symbology. You have that same um, concept. So that's what I'm saying. I think that when he went there, he got rid of the um, the women or the goddess, the worship of the goddess and replaced it. And that's why he blessed all of these places that had were sacred Druid places as well. Wales and temples and places like that. He blessed them and turned them over to be about God and Yahweh instead of the pagan deities that they worship there at those places. But when you look at it from the perspective of the Irish and the Druids, these were also sacred places to them. It wasn't like places that they like slaughtered people or did anything bad. These were uh, places of uh, high value to them that they did their own type of worship there too. So uh, I, I feel like it's a, a, it might not have been genocide, but it was definitely a spiritual genocide because they got rid of the pagans' beliefs and replaced it with their own. Well, so is that like a genocide though, if people are wanting it? Uh, I guess, and that's maybe the question. We don't know, but I don't think there, that, right? But yeah, I don't think that they necessarily wanted it. They were conned or seduced into believing so by being preached to, being by being told that their gods are bad and that only Yahweh is the true God. And I'm going to show you why He's the true God and convincing them to leave their gods. Even though they didn't fully convince them, they changed their goddess, their main goddess, into a saint. Well, I just think if they would have, if they would have been uh, not so receptive, like that's what. Why would they be so receptive to it, or why don't we see any evidence of like coercion? It seems more like it was just uh, he was doing something that perhaps the people wanted, because I don't see a lot of. conflict and maybe that was hidden up who knows but that's kind of i think maybe ireland ireland was the possibly like one of the last uh bastions uh the last places that they journeyed to to try to change people to switch people over uh because look at what was going on i mean what do you guys know what time period saint patrick was said to have been in ireland yeah, it was like uh, fifth century. Oh, fifth century. Yeah, so pretty uh, so pretty it's, early. Uh, it is believed that Saint Patrick's death was March seventeenth, four sixty one A.D. So that's pretty early before uh, Christianity had really even made it across Europe. So that's kind of interesting because it wasn't until like the nine hundreds or uh, thousands that you know the Vikings were trying to stop the persecution of the pagan belief system so they're doing it they did that 500 years before that i don't know i kind of find that hard to believe one other thing i would say and and i'm not trying to hate on women or anything um but I, i think one of the reasons too for the 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 topic we were talking about earlier is that sometimes maybe the women lack discernment 
in certain spiritual matters. Like for instance, Eve, the, the serpent never tried to trick Adam. He only ever preyed on Eve. Because even when you read the, the book of Adam and Eve, he tricks her another time or two. Um, they go into a river to try and like cleanse themselves of sin. Um, even though they weren't told to do this, they were just trying to think up ways to like show God that they were really trying to repent or that they were sorry or whatever. And even in that instance, um, Adam's like, don't move, just stay in the water. Well, then an angel, which is Satan, of course, <laughs> appears and tells Eve, hey, you're, you're good. You've, you've accomplished it. God told me to come and tell you that you're, you know, he's pleased with what you've done. And she gets out of the water and believes him and everything. And then comes to Adam and was like, Hey, an angel came and talked to me and told me <laughs> that everything's okay. And he's like, I told you not to get out of the water. And then realizes that she was tricked yet again. So I understand that maybe the uh, book of Adam and Eve is not canonical, of course, but but it's just interesting to me that when Satan attacks Adam and Eve, he attacks Eve. He attacks Adam through Eve, actually. And, um, you know, generally, too, like the holidays that we practice today, um, typically it's like the woman that wants to do the worldly type holidays, you know, and, and like preserve the pagan ways and stuff like that, that, um, she might have been raised with so i sometimes wonder you know again not trying to put women down i'm just saying like it's just some it's just a fact i guess that, that maybe there's something there to deal with that somehow if a woman was a pastor that maybe i don't know that lack of spiritual discernment could affect her being a pastor that's all i'm trying to say now that said there's a lot of terrible men pastors I, i'm fully aware of that but again if you, if you could say that a woman could lead the church then she could just as well lead the family and of course that's not the model that was set up so i that's i guess where i kind of would rest my case for now <laughs> but i'll try to uh, again study on that topic what about a female president well, that could very well be the whore of Babylon that we're waiting on. So, uh, I guess my, my, my point will get proven. A woman enough. becomes president <laughs> and she's the whore of Babylon. See, that's what I, that's all that I'm trying to say right there is it, it has to, I think the snake idea, serpent idea has to do with this Eve idea. And when the Christians and Catholics came to Ireland, St. Patrick, uh, they, they got rid of this worship of the goddess and replace it with mm -hmm. a patriarchal man um and that's that's why uh he chases snakes out that's what the mythology is that's what the that's what the ounce of truth in the whole story is and uh, i just think it was yeah. actual entities that he was chasing out and not so much just <laughs> based on a, a like monarch or, or getting rid of women. I think it was more about these actual serpentine entities. Uh, that's right. my opinion. And, and they wouldn't have fought back. And there's so, so it's easier to believe that there are serpent entities that he, then he just converted uh, people into a patriarchy and got rid of the female worship. 
Yeah, I think he actually <laughs> uh, got rid of serpent entities and, and people saw what he was doing and how That's he fair. operated and they liked it. That's my opinion, just based off of research and personal experiences. That's fair. Okay. Well, the entities could have been influencing the religious aspects too. Like, I mean, it could have all been one and the same kind of connected thing, you know, because a lot of times the Anunnaki types, you know, whatever we want to call them, angels or whatever, they would kind of set themselves up as gods and or goddesses. And in a lot of cases, they were uh, associated with animals of different sorts, like different kingdoms. Mm-hmm. So in this particular case, this uh, Korra could have been associated with serpents, you know, and but could have been in herself like uh, a Fomorian or a giant or Anunnaki type. But anyway, um, I think yeah, uh, to uh, like know. the Celtic, the Celtic knots and whatnot are uh, kind of serpentine in a way how they how it's tied in knots. Uh, it's very serpent looking serpent like. And so I think maybe Ireland itself was just kind of associated with that kind of serpent symbolism. Uh, so that's kind of another aspect. Nomad, could you pray and closing and chase the serpents out for us? <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave right yeah, now. Yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> uh, are you guys ready? Yeah, go sure. for it. Thank you. Lord of all creation, thank you so much for bringing us together, allowing us to fellowship. I pray that you continue to draw us all closer to each other and to others as we draw closer to you. Lord, we pray for discernment and protection. And Lord, please help us to continue to move out about our day and be good examples of your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for hosting. Dan, and uh, if you didn't get to see that Simpsons clip I dropped in the Telegram, you might want to watch it on Whacking Day. I felt like it kind of paralleled this pretty well. All right. Yeah, I'll check that out. Farewell, guys. Thank you. Love y'all. Peace. Thanks. Bye. I'm regenerating, raising my vibration. Curses ending with my generation. Blessings raining, it's a celebration. Go and tell the nation, we're all saved by grace. And I know I ain't boasting, I've been stuck in my ways, man. I'm regenerating, raising my vibration. Curses ending with my generation. Blessings raining, it's a celebration. Go and tell the nation, we're all saved by grace. And I know I ain't boasting, I've been stuck in my ways, man. I've been stuck in my ways How many days before it's no longer a face? God keep giving me grace I'm giving them thanks, I'm giving them praise Giving them thanks, I'm giving them praise I've been stuck in my ways How many days before it's no longer a face? God giving me grace I'm giving them praise, giving them thanks Giving them praise, I'm giving them thanks I've been stuck in my ways How many days before it's no longer a face? God giving me grace I'm giving them praise, giving them thanks Giving them praise, I'm giving them thanks